0: to Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre.
1: That's incorrect. That's that's incorrect. Owen McIntyre is not here. Uh, he took <laughs> off. Um, usually, uh, I don't know, does he ever take off? I don't think he takes off. <laughs> I think I'm Very the guy right that's right always right. taking off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Owen's off tonight, uh, you know, Jim's got him working on some, I don't know, big time insurance stuff or some something like that, or I, I don't know, or maybe he's out searching for Bigfoot, one or the other, um, but uh, uh, I got Rob here tonight, Rob Stone, and we also have Riley from Riley's Reptiles hanging out with us, what's up Riley, how you doing?
2: Oh, I'm doing well, just uh unwinding back at home after a long day of work.
1: Cool. All right. Yeah. Likewise. And then uh Rob, what's up with you, man? How you been? It's uh three weeks in good, a row man. you've been on this show, man. What the heck? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, this is crazy, man. I, I don't even know. <laughs> you haven't been able Although to I did get a this picture. show for three weeks? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna continue, man. You know. I got uh, a picture from Ian though, and it was some squatching sign that was saying, you know Confirmed presence in the area. So I assume that he had sent that to OMAC as well and that, you know, this whole, oh, Jim's got me doing X, Y, or Z. is just a big ruse. So he could go meet up with Ian and track it down, man, get it done.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%, man. He's squatching out there with Bobo. <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> He's going to be so mad. But this is how it feels, dude. <laughs> you got to rib a little bit, right? So, um, yeah. I don't know. Tonight, I figured uh, we'd just go completely off-topic. No real. I mean, we're obviously we're gonna talk about carpet pythons at some point, but uh, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe we'll talk about some. Oh, by the way, that that picture of that Crebo, right, Riley? Holy shit, that snake is nice.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's my female. Uh, she's a 2016. Wow.
1: That is yeah, really, she's awesome. really top notch, man. Holy shit. I she saw that picture.
2: Did still, you is is nice?
1: Is that normal for them to do that? I mean, I would think that, uh, that would be difficult to keep. Colubrids in a still position like that.
2: It's, it's definitely, it's all, it's a tall order for them for sure. <clears throat> um, you won't really find too many uh, still frame photos of my male anywhere um, unless he's like in an enclosure that's just been stripped and empty and I just take a full frame photo of that uh, or he's outside or something because he just doesn't stop. Um, the female actually will sit still. She'll kind of motor around for about 30 seconds and then she'll sit and she just kind of evaluates her surroundings, looks me in the eye and kind of just like tongue flips around and just kind of sits still. She's just, Much more um, comfortable sitting there, I guess. Uh, For whatever reason, it worked really well that day on the black glass shoot, which is, you know, not always the case. So, uh, yeah, she's great, and I love her.
1: Nice. Do you ever work with Kribos, Rob?
3: No, I haven't. I mean, certainly I'm familiar with them and stuff, but I've never had them. Um, Maintained indigo stuff, and certainly they're smart snakes, man. It's a lot of fun. Gotta get
1: in space, huh? They need space, a lot of space. Speaking of space, (laughs) there's sort of a a thing going on. I guess there's, I don't know what this is on or what group this is on. Who cares at this point? But maybe we could talk a little bit about what you guys think about caging and some of the pros and cons for axe caging, all that kind of stuff. Um, Because we work with a variety of species and you know, I don't know. It seems like there's this move towards uh, bioactive substrate as of late. And I, I I don't know if I think that that's such a good idea for everything. I mean, if you're talking like a python, I'm even talking just a carpet python. I would imagine you have to have a pretty, pretty big cage. I mean, we're talking like room size
3: cage. I, you know what I mean? Am I, Am I wrong to sure. think
1: that way? What do you guys think?
3: Sure. Well, and if you, you know, which I know you did, you listen to that reptile and chill with uh, the guy who owns that pet shop in Britain, right? Who had, uh, was talking about this, making this point is it's really hard to complete to make complete systems. You can do things that work towards it, but the notion that you could have, say, a big scrubby, and then you know it doesn't eat a rat, and then you're just going to rot out a large rat in the cage, uh, you know that that's not right. Your system is not equipped to handle that. And, you know, you can have you can trend towards natural design and these sorts of things as long as you fit it within certain parameters. But you can't just say, "Oh no no, it'll it'll rot out. It'll be totally fine. Don't worry."
1: <laughs> so, Riley, I mean, you coming from the zoo part of things? I mean, did you guys kind of did a mix, right, of both? Like, you guys didn't do bioactive yeah. substrates.
2: Not not intentionally. I mean, some, some exhibits were outside, and uh, those were, you know, unavoidably bioactive, like a lot of the tortoise yards. But, um, as you know, tortoises will just defecate sort of immensely throughout certain times of the year, especially like Zocadas. So um, just for presentation's sake, we were raking those up. But they never really broke down in a timely manner. If there were ones that, like, sort of snuck away and got tucked in the corner, you could find them, like, a year later still petrified. And that's just grass, <laughs> so I don't know. But um the other thing that like I like the idea behind uh bioactive and I like the intent behind it 'cause it's sure. It's kind of it's 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 a it's it's based on a premise of like a win win for everybody, right? Like it makes less cleaning for the keeper and it's sort of uh is, is predicated on the idea of replicating sort of a, a wild environment, which, you know, what, what's, you know, less uh, for the animal than that. The problem is you also don't get, like, ozone exchange. You don't get other species involved. You've created a closed system. A wild there's yeah. an open system whether it's an isolated island or not there are hurricanes there's weather there are debris and trees and other species that float up on shore there is death and decay at a rapid rate because of exposure from the sun because you're on a death or an island coaster you know there's all these other variables you put a little box around what you call an ecosystem. I'm sorry, that's not an ecosystem. That's just a bunch of bugs and dirt. And I have some carpet <laughs> pythons that beg to differ. You throw my entire Dubia rose colony, six inches of bioactive substrate, all the goddamn springtails you can throw out, I me. Mean, one carpet python will out-defecate that entire colony in a month. I guarantee it. So... Within reason, it is something totally practical, but let's be real, you're not going to go bioactive on a retick. I'm sorry. No, no,
1: no. And I I think that's the the thing that I see, like these debates and stuff between people, and oftentimes it's... You know, the people that are debating it are people that keep dart frogs or, you know, little geckos and stuff. Yeah, it probably works great for species like that. You know, actually, it does. You know, it's actually, I, I, it's
2: actually ideal for uh, smaller species like that. At the zoo, we set up all uh, bioactive uh, for our, our different varieties of frogs uh, and everything, and it worked great. I mean, we still had to do pickups, though. Don't get me wrong. Like, the moss still got shitty. The dirt still and a caked in poop. Like there was poop everywhere, even with just start plants. It worked. Yeah. But you've got to remember, it's still a closed system. There is no turnover of substrate. There is no turnover of leaves. There is no new creation of dirt unless you sit there and go, Well, I'm going to make some more cocoa fiber. And at which point, it's like, Is it really a bioactive system at that point? Or are you just throwing bugs in your dirt?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against it. I mean, if it works for people, then so be it. But I I just don't like, man, it's just like everything nowadays. If you don't agree with what they, what the, you know, the person that you're debating is doing, then, you know, it's just like, forget it. You're an idiot. You know? So I, I just wish people yeah. were more, a little more open-minded. Obviously, in my opinion, like, when that when that happens people they automatically must assume that you're an idiot keeper you know what i mean like for instance like if you hear i don't know if you hear you know you put some snakes in like i'll, I'll talk about scrubs if you put scrub like i said this a long time ago but when i had those how my hairs you know i kept it in a in a in a, a cage you know, the way you would set up just, you know, your normal pythons. And that thing just stressed the hell out. So I, I eventually I ended up putting it in a tub. You know, people would be like, why the hell are you putting a halmahara scrub in a tub? But it stopped stressing out. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I That's why, I, I don't know. I, I think that ultimately you're the person that's dealing with that animal. And if you have that animal's best intentions. Now, I would agree that there's some people that don't. You know, but I would think that the people that I associate with and you guys associate with for the most part do i mean when you, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense
2: well yeah. you you said it right there. I mean, you said it within what your last sentence was like you work with that animal, and you know it. That's the bottom line. You can throw yeah. a ball python in a tub or a tank. It really does come down to that individual snake. It doesn't matter. you can throw any sort of snake in a tub or a tank or a cage or whatever, it comes down to the individual. So you can do everything yeah. right. It, that, the animal could just be a high stress animal online. Like that could even make or break it. You can do everything right. Hides yeah. on the ceiling, on the wall, on the floor, on the back wall, four of them on each pane, even on the glass, whatever. And the animal could still just like lose its shit. And that's just how it goes. Like yeah. it's working with the animals, man. Nothing <laughs> yeah. ever goes through the script.
1: Right. Right. I mean, Rob, you've worked with a variety of species and stuff. I mean, I'm sure you've come across that where you're like, you know, what what people are saying to do is different than what you're noticing. So you have to adjust,
3: you know. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, it's the same you can take, whether it's a cage or a tub or either way, you can have a given size and say, okay, theoretically, something this big across all these different species should fit in it and sometimes it works really well and you have things that actually seem quote too big for that space and they do great and other things that actually aren't even yet that size and yet man they're going to really struggle and you can it's the same as ever and it's the hardest thing to say or the hardest thing for people to understand is you can just look at it and know that it's not right you know you can have you just look at that and say theoretically this works but i can tell with the way this thing's acting that it's not working
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, what's that saying? Student of the serpent. I mean, that's really what it comes down <laughs> right. to paying, paying attention, you know, and uh, paying attention making both your call from there.
3: Species wise and that individual and all that stuff. And it's like, you know, you could keep a ball python in a 28 quart tub or you could keep it in a four foot cage and it might do just as well in both, but maybe that's going to vary from individual to individual and you just need to be, you know, have enough resources to be able to respect that. What the animal's telling you <laughs> to a, look at it. B, make that decision, and then C, you know, act accordingly. Right.
1: Agreed. Hundred percent. So, so you know, I don't know. I I think that's always going to be a debate between people, you know, because you know people think that if you keep them in a tub, then it's. You, I mean, part of keeping them in the tub. Let's be honest: is the the uh, efficiency? I guess you would say, and the amount of being able to keep a, a certain amount right. of snakes or reptiles in a given you know spot. I mean that that is part of it, you know. Um, and for and for people to to not say that that's true, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you're just full but also on the flip side of that, I mean, you know, I I don't know. I, I don't think that, that maybe you guys would agree or disagree, but I don't know if we know enough about snakes when it comes to you know, do they need that uh stimulation, you know? Well, I
2: know I, I would say that there doesn't need to be a debate at all. Like, What's that? Why does it have to? Be a, why Why can't we just like agree that like uh, each animal just does, does in a given circumstance, and if it works, it works. Like there doesn't have to be a right or wrong. Like if you can give them an environmental stimulation and behavioral enrichment, great. If they do well and breed and thrive in a tub, great. Like it <laughs> doesn't <it> matter. <laughs> eating and doing sort of the ABCs like does there have to be a debate like sure we can all have our opinions on the ethics behind it all and like I think if uh, everybody's open minded to like a a civil discussion about it that's fine but as soon as we start to the point where it's like no it has to be this way and Everybody who says that keeping these snakes in all this big space is, like, they they don't know what they're doing. As soon as we get definitive and, like, sort of eliminate um, part of the community, it just kind of, we get sidetracked. I mean, like, I keep adult carpets in cages and tubs right behind me, and I can tell you all of them seem to be coping with it in their own ways. So, like, is it really a debate? Yeah.
3: Right. Well, and inarguably there's some, some animals do better in tubs. If you, you know, that's secure, they prefer that sure. security. And as long as you're meeting their base functional requirements, you know, they, they do actually do better in a tub. They'll eat better in a tub. They feel more secure. And then simultaneously you have stuff that just the physiological requirements are very difficult. if not impossible to meet in a tub. It's really hard to keep a monitor sure. in a tub and actually give it the, sure. the heat and stuff without burning your place down. <laughs> you
2: know, so it's, it's, there's some of both, yeah. right, yeah. you know? Sure. Yeah. 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 No, it, it's not so clear-cut. I mean, you just got to kind of embrace all uh, approaches and, and, you know, be prepared to do what seems to work best for your animal. I mean, the bottom line is you want to keep your animals healthy, so why not just do whatever works?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, but... I do, I do understand like the, you know, the the drawback to keeping a snake in a tub is that you don't get to really observe them, you know? And that's sort sure. of the fun part of it, you know? I mean, when you're watching them in a cage, I I remember as a kid, I just would stare at, you know, I had like one of those little critter keeper things, and I had like a garter snake in it, and I just stared at that thing for hours and hours. Probably stressed the shit out of it. Just right. Whether that's good for it or not. Big, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it did well, you know? <laughs> you know? But, uh, you
1: know, I was just fascinated by it, you know? and I I don't know. But...
3: No, totally. Um, I mean, that's, that's the thing, man, where it's, you know, I, I sold a bunch of uh, racks to make space to put in cages because I wanted to downsize and really enjoy what I had and yeah. I've been super thrilled with doing that. But, yeah. you know, there's a downside. You know, I sold a lot of stuff. <laughs> now other people are producing, you know, within a year, <laughs> other people, oh, look at all these, you know, continually look at all the eggs I got from this, this, and this you know literally 150 eggs out of all these different things or whatever. And it's just like, you know what? But I'm ha- really happy with what I have. So right, it's just, you know, that, that mel- melding of the two things between what you want, what you're doing it for and, you know, whether it works for the animals that you have.
1: Yeah. <clears throat>
3: yeah, I, I agree.
1: I, and your setup is pretty cool, Rob. I mean, you know, I've seen like not in person, but I've seen pictures of it and stuff and like, it's like a reptile chill zone, man. You just go in there and <laughs> you got all right? kinds yeah. of crazy shit in there, you know, which is kind of like the, the idea. The
3: the, yeah, yeah. You know, to have, you know? I have the UV lights on during the day in the cages mm-hmm. and then I swapped out the room lights for red bulbs so that I can come in, you know, that, that all is timed out and then the red bulb, you know, I can flick that on and it doesn't disrupt their, their regular cycle. So they're doing all their, you know, some things I see during the day, and never mm-hmm. see at night, and then vice versa, and they're acting as they would at night. You know, they're not responding. You can tell from the aperture, you know, the dilation of their pupils that it's like, no, they're really not seeing this light because those pupils are just massive, you know, and they have right. so yeah, the, the nighttime, the night shift that's doing their own thing. So it's like when people come see it, it's always like, well, come, you know, based on the, the month of the year or whatever, it's like, well, come a half hour before the lights turn out so you can see the stuff that you can see during the day, and then you can right. also check out the night shift. You know, you get you get some of both.
1: Now, do you change that throughout the year? I mean, are you adjusting that to go with the light cycles outside?
3: I don't do it based on outside, but I go from a low of eight in December and Jan eight hours of light in uh, mm-hmm. December, January, up to 13 hours of light in uh, June and July. So shifted I shifted an hour a month, you know, to, right. to hit those different
1: points. It seems like... I don't know. Maybe you guys can each comment on this, but it seems like I remember back when I first started getting hot and heavy in carpets, like 2007 or whatever, that was sort of a, that was a, that was part of breeding. Like, you know, like right. uh, yeah. you had to do a light cycle. Like you couldn't, you couldn't just like not do a lot, just drop temperature. I mean, it seems like now it's like, so all over the place and you know, we've said it a million times. It's, kind of depends on where you're from but i still think that that's somewhat important um you know i do that and i had a really good season um i don't know if that you got
3: the windows too man you know so even to the extent that you can do something you can switch the light on but there's still some level of perception right whether your lights are on or off heck man i saw it you know in the middle of the day there's light in there even if the lights aren't on you know, and even as yeah. the shades are down, it's still, you can feel it. And I know that they're perceiving that. I don't think it's necessary. Well, it's like anything, right? I know a lot of Bob Applegate, right, would just have the lights on when he was home and then off when he was, you know, just for days at a time or whatever. But that's mm-hmm. the bridge that he was putting through a hard cool. So their cycle is really being driven by that hard cool. That's kind of overriding everything else. But, you know, if we're we're doing Boyd stuff, I think it's, you just want to contribute put as many positive contributing factors together that feed in the same way, whether it's your food, your humidity, your lights, your temps, all those things. And if you run all those things so that they contribute with one another, heck man, I think that's, you're on a good path, you know, whether it's for health or breathing. Or breathing.
1: Yeah. I think it was a conversation that me and you had a while back and, you know, I, we were just talking on the phone or whatever. And, you know, one of the things that I think we both sort of agreed upon was, was that you got like six, I'm just making up a number, six different factors, you know, to have success with breeding. And, you know, you have to get three of them, you know, it doesn't have to be, it can be any three, but you get those three and then, you know, you're going to have success, you know? And, um, I I think it's consistency, you know, is important, you know, whatever those three are, you know, whether it's, you know, temperature, food, lighting, sure, um, just being consistent on how you do it, I think is going to, uh, to make a difference i think um i think with you could probably i think this is just a just a, a, a thought i think you could probably get away with breeding um jayas poplin carpets whatever you want to call them um riley don't beat me up if i say poplin oh wait riley are you in the poplin <laughs> camp or are you in the ij camp I think I'm just going to start calling I'm, him in,
2: the, I'm in the two-piss zone <laughs> camp. I lean more towards the the poplin for political correctness, but I'm, uh, not, I gotcha. I'm you know, I I give uh I give Owen shit just for fun because it's Owen <laughs> otherwise I don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what else is new, right? But uh
2: I think you I could don't know. probably I sort of like a false that same behavior of you guys, I don't know, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, I think you could probably breed them year-round,
2: if you could breed
1: any carpet. I think that would be the one. And I think you could probably breed them with light cycles and not, you know, necessarily dropping temperatures. Because my experience has been, it's like, I mean, you're just dropping the temperatures down just a tiny bit, and they're ready to go, you know?
4: Right.
1: So. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe in uh, you know, I mean, they do condros all year round, right? Right. So well,
3: why you and well, I mean, don't like to go lat- off time, right? Latitudinally, aren't,
2: aren't they higher up, uh, closer equatorially from some of the uh, the the southern Australian people? I mean, they're above Australia equatorially in a latitudinal sense, so. I mean, does that translate into less of a, a seasonal drop? Because we've sort of seen that a lot of those regions tend to just more or less vary in terms of a dry or wet season, not so much a, a winter, spring, summer, fall rotation, um, which would sort of, you know, translate into like nothing more than, say, an average of a plus or minus four degrees fahrenheit you know variance like hasn't it been uh graphed that it doesn't it's it's relatively stable year-round from
1: what i think yeah pretty much yeah
2: yeah so that would that you know that would absolutely uh if that is the case that would seem to uh lend to your hypothesis of maybe you know some of these other factors being the key determinant the light uh you know, it seems like temperature isn't very much. So maybe it doesn't bother them. So maybe it's just light and day cycles, and that's kind of their their driving force. I mean, who knows? You could uh, you could publish the the Burke's Law, Burke's Hypothesis.
1: <laughs> yeah, now you're getting crazy. Um, <laughs> no, I did. I think Rob, you were saying something about um, that. That was poison ivy. She went. Um, I'd have to look up the time of year, but she went out of season for sure. Yeah, right. um, which was now very strange.
3: Moved, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was really, what, really what, weird.
3: What was your um, lighting situation like at your old place?
1: Staying Same as this. Had a yeah, I had a window, you know. Um, and uh, back then, I think I was really, I think uh i might at I, I that well i mean i kind of keep ambient now but just with like 85 hotspots, you know um right. so at that point i probably was doing that i, pro- I probably had because when was terry on the show that was what like 2013 maybe
3: 2012 really, 2012
1: i would think yeah and i only did that for one season no, 2012, I bred. And then 2013, <laughs> I kind of switched to that ambient thing. And that was, a, I didn't breed anything that year, you know. And I I don't <laughs> chalk that up. I don't chalk that up. I mean, you probably listened to those shows back then. You probably can't even get those shows anymore unless you go to Blog Talk because they're probably all gone now, you know. I think that but, um, one's now off, Yeah. Is it? It's officially it's off? off, oh, yeah. No. I think yeah, uh, cameras- I on Blog Talk. Cameron's show has far surpassed any show that we've ever done, which uh, right, I meant of... to ask
3: you because I was going to tell him like how many how many listens has he got out
1: of that? I'd have to look, but uh, it... it's.
3: I gave him an estimate of my guess, and I, I think he was sort of like, "No way, man!" And I was like, "Yeah, man."
1: Yeah, it was up there. It I, it was the high, it could, so you got to go in and you got to. You know, I told you like they blog talks and, right. and they changed and he, it again he, today. Can't... I went on, you know, they usually have that thing where you click it and send off the Facebook and Twitter and all And now it's completely different. So I'm like, God damn it. Every time I log into this thing, something's different. Anyway, um, yeah, after the show, I'll go look it up and I'll I'll send you the number. But it's by far the, you know, the biggest one that that we've done. Oh, Oh, my God. Unbelievably crushed it. I mean, that show was... I think that might be our swan song, man. That was like the best <laughs> show to me ever. <laughs> you know, Oh, Lord. those younger, pe- younger people might not know what swan song is, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> Riley, do you know what uh, you know what I'm referring to. I hope so. Right? That's yeah. That one? Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. You're with me. Yeah.
2: So I'm, I'm very with that.
1: Ah, nice, my oh, man. Um, I thought. Since it seems like everybody's having a killer season this year, um, from what I've seen around, but you
3: got to talk about uh, what you just mentioned, Terry, man, and ki- Terry and killer season. Uh, got, see, what, what was, you was that you were telling me?
1: Tell Terry, what was I talking about? To, oh, well, in 2013, when I bred, no, 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 no. 20, what?
3: <laughs> no, no, this week, you know, Reptile Gardens put out that post. You were telling me about that.
1: That was really oh, cool. You know, talking about people oh, having to stuff. Yeah, they produced Mamba. <laughs> <laughs> Black Mamba. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty oh, badass. Did that's you bad work ass, with them, man. Riley? Did you ever have to work with them? No,
2: no. I I would love to. I would oh, okay. absolutely not shy away from the opportunity. I never I was never fortunate enough. No. Okay.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I remember
3: that being might, up there and seeing Terry pulling those out, man. And yeah, it was just—I want- mean, they're like—they're holding them out like they're holding themselves out there like they're rebar, man. Just the strength on those snakes—they're, you know, get a little grip on anything, and they're just—you know—with any part of their body, and just the ability to hold themselves rigid is incredible. I wouldn't want any piece of that, man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you and me both that's the one the one uh species my dad never kept i don't think he was brave enough to venture into yeah uh, for the best man <laughs> <laughs> into that world you know i think he uh steered clear although he had crazier shit than i think if like if you talk to venomous keepers they probably would say some of the other shit that he had was way it was worse pretty but, crazy yeah yeah
3: Yeah. But uh, I think, yeah, certainly there's some, you know, if everyone's comfortable with certain things, like it can be actually worse, but if it's in a style that you're more comfortable with, I think that certainly is true. You know, you'll see stuff like that.
1: I would tend to think that I would be more comfortable with something like a Mamba rather than something like a Gaboon or something like that because, you know, like when I'm handling short tails, I just can't figure mm-hmm. them out because, you know, I'm so used to Morelia, you know, that prehensile tail. I know how they right. move. I know how much space to keep, you know, if they're going to bite. Rob sure. didn't learn that when he came to my place.
3: But <laughs> I just grab a man, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> not too big, yeah. not venomous. Just grab it, you know.
1: Just grab it. Call it a day. Do yeah. Yeah. work.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but you're a bloody yeah, mess at the end of the day. the... <laughs> There's challenges to different styles of venomous based on their body type, and there's nothing, nothing more unnerving than a, an arboreal hot who's got his tail hooked on uh, <laughs> the end of your hook he decides to turn backwards and and go very close to your hands, and and your only option is to literally just drop the hook and sort of like hit the reset button. Like that's not. It's not a comfortable feeling. I mean, it's nice knowing you to know you can do that. You no,
1: know, I mean... Yeah, those things, will, I, those
2: things I, think,
1: I think of holding some of my scrubs and, like, you know, like... And you can just, like... The worst thing you're going to get is bit. You know, it'll hurt, probably. But, yeah. you know... You won't be dead.
3: Well, that or... barnack's is going to be a different story from that small stuff you have. You know, that, that's the difference. I wouldn't want to take a bite from that. Thing. You know, like I wouldn't just grab that thing. I was like, yeah, oh, the
1: big barnack Yeah. I'll use yeah. the hook for
3: yeah. I'll use the hook for that. You know, with the little stuff,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, baby carpet. I choice, don't even. You know, I don't even. I don't even think twice about that. You know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. There's some of the some of the some of the ones I have, man. That like, uh, what's his name? When he got nailed by that albino, uh, Travis. Holy shit, man! I felt <laughs> so bad. Like, you know, that was full on feeding response. That thing was eating his hand. Like, it's like, uh-huh. oh shit. You know, food. Boink.
3: Oh my god. Holy shit. It yeah. <laughs> took him like a captive bred rosy Bow would where it's just like it's going down, man. It's like yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Lord, what are we doing? <laughs> Those
1: things. Holy shit. Oh my god. Yeah, what
3: yeah. the funny thing is, man, the wild caught ones are totally chill. You just grab them. But like, yeah, those actually, you know, a captured bred rosy bow, I use a hook, man. That that's <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like a woma.
1: woma, python. Yeah. Yeah. Womas are the same way, man. And they do that like uh I did I just had it tonight, man. I, I was I, I was cleaning and I take the woma out and everything's all chill and then it just like yeah. looks at your arm and it just says, "I'm going to try to eat this." <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> and they're digging in and it's oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love that species and I love that species oh,
2: I I need some of those badly Yeah, yeah. Keith
1: uh patched out beautiful ones. Oh my god, he sent me uh Keith McPeak sent me some pictures of uh some of the ones that he just patched out. Holy shit, they're nice, man. Really, really really nice.
2: Yeah. Good a lot the of, of the of python this. What's
1: that? you getting Woma Python this it's year? the year
2: of the Woma Python. Everybody's hatching them. Julian and I mean, everywhere I look, it's just like Woma's hatching, Woma's hatching. like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Woma's hatching. like, God damn it. I need to <laughs> I feel like Owen. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> I love how you pointed this out, and I had seen it before, but I hadn't thought about it in the context of their natural history. How they'll stand up vertically, right? They get that you know they're barely getting touch on the sand, sort of in a sidewinder style, or they you know yeah, projections in the belly. I never knew
1: that, but I got uh, I got this. Um, actually, it's pretty funny. It's um, what's his name? Joe Bradley? Who's what's his son's name? Uh-huh. Not is Rob? it Joe? Not Rob. Rob is his. He's the actual it's guy, the right? He, oh, he's, he's the, the guy
3: or the son. I mm.
1: I can't remember. We're just gonna go with Rob then, because <laughs> you're yeah, here, Rob. So. I think
3: so. I think that's right.
1: Anyway, I think yeah. Right. He did he did this. Um, I guess you would say it's similar to like what Steve Irwin did, and it was like a TV show where, you know, he would uh, he would like teach you about how to read. The Crocs and stuff like that, and I don't. I mean, I don't know if he was. It seems like he knew what he was doing. Anyway, he did the show on um, all the Python species in Australia, which was pretty badass. So you can't. I think you might be able to find it on YouTube in segments, but I had to order it from Europe, and it's it's like that weird uh, format that they use, where so you can't play it on a DVD player. You have to play it on a, you know, uh, your computer or something like that. Anyway, right. Um. I was watching it, and he was showing the woma python, and what it does is it, it doesn't actually, you know, lie flat when it's moving on the ground. It's and I, I ne- I've never actually seen a woma on video in its natural habitat until then. Right. You know, I mean, um, but yeah, sure enough, man, it kind of like walks almost. It's really bad at I'm going to see if I can somehow, like, cut that segment out and just, like, share it somewhere or something so that people could see it because right. – it's really badass, And it's, I guess it's just because that sand's so hot. It can't just like be flat down on the sand, Red, you know,
3: reducing the points of contact. Yeah. I mean, they, you'll see that in very aggressive ones that, no, you know, not aggressive against you, just aggressive feeding ones. You'll see it occasionally. Uh-huh. I had seen it before, but I hadn't put two and two together until you, you know, it told me about that, uh, that clip. And it's like, Oh, that makes sense. Cause yeah, that can't be particularly comfortable. What, yeah, I know, right? What do you think so difficult about the eggs with them?
1: You got, I mean, do you have any thoughts on when it comes to that? I mean, I hear that. I think just, they just can't get wet. Even
3: yeah, just can't get wet, man. You got to keep them humid, but without just any contact at all. You know, I just think they're they're really wet sensitive, in the same way as the blackheads. You know,
0: mm-hmm. I don't
3: know if they're quite as bad. And then I know uh, it was either Justin or Ben was saying. But then they had heard that and, you know, kind of went too far the other way. So I think they're not as bad as the blackheads. but They are touchy, you know, compared to other stuff. Compared I remember listening like,
1: something. I don't know if it was on our show or reptile radio, but I remember Derek Roddy talking about trying to come up with a system where basically you're putting an umbrella over the eggs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when the yeah. condensation drips down, it won't drip onto the eggs. It will, you know, drip around the eggs. And you can keep totally that around humidity. Sure. Yeah.
3: You can picture him, especially with Derek, you can picture him putting, like, the little drink umbrellas and stuff around Yeah, him. <laughs>
2: That's like yeah a a little umbrella. martini umbrellas.
1: <laughs> hey, man, yeah, if it works, you, could, you know?
2: You can put together a chart. Okay, this is how many eggs I have. This is how many martinis I need to drink by this weekend. And if I don't get there, I'm going to fold myself.
1: So, yeah, right? I should ask, like, you guys... Uh, doesn't matter who goes first but you know maybe rob you tell me uh like do you prefer a specific method when it comes to incubating eggs or does it go by species for you or you know what's your experience do you, do you put the eggs right in the vermiculite or are you doing a, a crate method or what
3: i've shifted to doing the crate with all the stuff but um, you know, I've done, uh, rinkofus eggs in straight in the vermiculite without issue. I've just sort of switched to, you know, I think that, uh, egg crate stuff is the, you know, the light diffuser egg crate stuff is the, is the play just, you know, so you can keep that humidity up. Um, kind of regardless with what you're doing, you can bury it in stuff so that it's not all sloshing around. Depends how fancy you want to get, you know, you're, I think the sim container thing makes sense. It's a bit of a, A tight seal you know especially on those small containers i think but Mm -hmm. um you know and then it just varies either it's got to heck those uh royal python eggs i just have sitting in it (laughs) i showed you i have them sitting in that empty cage because it was a little bit uh since they don't actually uh can't actually increase the temperature right they can maintain it and and do different things but they can't actually uh, they don't do shivering to increase the temperature when i first gotten that first clutch it was a little bit cool in the room my taste to do that so i just said okay i guess i'll make an incubator out of this empty cage that i have sitting here and that's worked great um Mm -hmm. the rhinos and stuff you know i just put those at room temp but you know in a little ziploc tub um sitting on crate same thing whether it's on paper towel or on perlite or on vermiculite super saturated and then just sitting on top of the crate and i think that works pretty well but none of that stuff, none of the eggs that I've had this year are particularly sensitive, so I can't, you know, speak to it in that, that effect.
1: Gotcha. What about you, Riley? <clears throat> you have a preference?
2: Um, the last, like, four or five years, I've kind of just done uh, the straight um, half-right method because you, you buy it in a bag and it comes with the, uh, the water isomer crystals uh, sort of mixed into the perlite medium in there. And the idea is that uh, in a closed, warm environment, they generate the moisture without um, actual water being present. And I've had pretty good success with the majority of them. But in recent years, I've found um, that for, especially with carbon python eggs, about the 30 to 35 day mark after eggs and have like a good amount of time to sort of cook, they they inevitably generate a little bit of their own heat. And I think with that it doesn't allow a lot of airflow underneath the egg to create a good, sort of, even cycle. And I feel like it creates this sort of warm, humid pocket at the top and I don't have an issue with condensation generating on the top and dripping on, but I find that when I leave eggs in a cluster naturally, if there's plenty of room to do so in my egg boxes, they just a couple top eggs that seem to go bad. Um, and so next season I do intend on switching to the, uh, the light diffuser underneath because I think what that affords um, – uh, in a similar way to the sim containers, is that it allows good oxygen flow underneath the eggs, and especially if you're going to just leave a cluster of eggs together, those couple that sort of get um, buried in the middle and underneath don't have a ton of surface area exposed above, and so that's kind of vital to those. Um, This season I had a clutch of eggs where, like, the top five just went to crap really quick. And this one in the middle had one tiny little surface area uh, on the top that was exposed. And I made sure to sort of clean it when those ones on top were dying and molding. I just kind of left everything because I just wanted to see what would happen. And that thing ended up hatching out just fine. But with minimal surface area, it was blasting out. And I think if I had done sort of a a light-abuse method underneath, uh, I probably would have gotten different results.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that it brings up the important point, right? I actually don't think it's necessarily water that causes you know eggs to rot out and stuff. It's the uh, it blocks those pores for gas exchange. Um, so I think you know that's right on point with what you're saying, Riley. You know, the, yeah, I, mean, I think actually think what, think what we see the... is they need a lot of air exchange. You know, and that gets blocked yeah. off when they get wet.
2: Yeah, when you think about, you know, the environment that all these different species are laying their eggs in, whether it be termite mounds, piles of leaves, um, dirt holes, sandy banks, whatever, what's happening is they're, these females are actually, like, they're finding an ideal spot, and I have a feeling what we tend to, like, overlook is uh, the fact that when we're putting these egg boxes together, there's a closed system of air. Um, We can get the humidity just right, and and air gets stale in these in these closed environments, and if you even have the slightest little bit of like too much moisture, and some mold is able to foster. I mean, it's just snowballs, and you know, I, I don't know. We just can't replicate uh, an open environment as well as like uh, the natural <laughs> world does—just open air. So
0: we, <laughs> I don't know. I
2: mean, that's why we put sand, and that's why we circulate. That's what, you know some egg boxes aren't airtight and they allow a little bit of gas fishing. but yeah I mean the oxygen exchange is absolutely crucial for a developing embryo where else are they going to get it? They're in an egg, they don't get it elsewhere so if we cut that off or we're providing stale, nasty oxygen that just isn't fresh or it's got bacteria fostering in it what do you think is going to happen?
1: Yeah, that makes sense you know <clears throat> I thought uh I thought uh, I I don't know if he updated it, but um, Garrett Hartle's, uh idea with the uh, springtails
2: Yeah, in
1: the egg. Yeah,
2: yeah. I was curious to see what the results of that were.
1: Yeah, now they're going to be putting springtails in the cage and in the egg box. <laughs> it's going to be springtails everywhere. <laughs> Here's my advice: right. I mean, if if don't breed snakes, breed springtails. Yeah, man. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Well,
4: um, and the, with them living on
3: submerged charcoal,
2: YouTube. you know. Yeah, what is that? that idea. Super easy. There's a guy I follow on YouTube recently has been posting videos of his egg cutting and hatching eggs and stuff, and all his uh, ball python eggs are on cocoa fiber. <laughs> and each time I look at him I'm like, is that like a, a big F you to the rest of the industry? Or <laughs> he's just like <laughs> thinking, thinking on his own, like, holy cow. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think sometimes we overthink this stuff a little bit too much. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah. Sometimes uh, nature, as we know, doesn't give a shit. You know, and it's like,
2: uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I have a friend who
2: has bearded dragon eggs on coconut husk. So there you go. Really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he threw them just straight on damn coconut husk right out of the uh, the enclosure, and just like gave zero shits about it, and 100 percent accurate. Just like, oh, okay.
1: I think that's what the trick is. You have to give zero shits about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just, just kind of have to go. You know, we like, uh
2: things occasionally. It's possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do that with maternal incubation, man. It's just like, well, this clutch is either going to make it or it's not. Maybe not all of them will make it. Maybe some of them will make it. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know. And then so far, uh, this is the first season that I ever had a female that failed um, maternal incubation. Um, and I think I think this is at least my observation was be is that in the rack that she was in, she was lower into to mm-hmm. to the floor. And I think uh, if I was going to do maternal incubation going forward, and the animal was in a rack. What I would do is make sure that those animals are higher up, you know, so that there's, it's not as difficult uh, for that female to uh, keep that temperature, you know, even though the
3: hot, the hot, I mean, they can do it, but yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean you have to make it as hard as possible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, you know. You know, again, I get, this this weekend I had a realization of, of why I love carpet pythons so much. Just like working with all these different species and all. Like, you know, get my feelings and my bearings and everything around, you know, working with these different... And what's their little quirks of working with this species or that species. Um, <clears throat> like Sabus, holy shit, man. Those things are straight up... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Saddle pythons are
1: evil, dude. They're evil. Oh, I mean, they actually launch themselves. This little tiny snake launches itself out of the tub to try to kill me. Like, and yeah, that's,
3: that's the funny It's the same as the uh Rosie story, though. I mean, there was, I remember, uh working with a or an original wild-caught one from the mid-'90s, and it is totally calm, but at the same time, I, I agree with you. All the babies that I've had, you know, the captive-bred stuff I've had, have been, cool. you know, just food crazy, like what you're talking yeah. about. But, you know, those original wild-caught ones, totally chill, you know? Really? I think it's based on how they feed, you know, their feed and their expectation. I think they're really based on a tactile response, you know, especially right. the captive-bred stuff where they're just like, anything touching me is food basically that's yeah. the response
1: yeah yeah um but uh anyway i mean carpets are just so freaking simple i I don't, I don't know if it's just because i love them so much so they feel like they're simple or they are simple you know but to <laughs> I'm me almost, i think <laughs> they, they, they're just they're freaking bulletproof they're like you never have any i don't know it's just super easy man super super easy um but i'm biased, <laughs> I'm biased <man. laughs> a little bit right? just a little
3: just a little man
1: yeah but uh you're
3: expanding your universe but still a little bit biased
1: yeah for sure man i mean i keep going back to it you know it's weird i guess maybe you know maybe you were thinking the same way when cam cam was on because you, you, I mean, you've been doing this a long time, Rob. So you remember the days when those things were coming in. Um, I wasn't really in tune with that part of the hobby when I was keeping snakes. I was back then. I was more like the, uh, uneducated snake keeper, you know, if you will, just Mm -hmm. like the local pet shop was the extent of my knowledge of, of this world. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, I don't even know how I went down this wormhole. I think I was doing a uh, lineage chart and I just started looking back and I'm just, you know, I'm trying to get a picture of um, uh, the uh, diamond jungle that I have that Luke Snell produced. So I went to his I heard page and I'm just, lo- I don't know, man. It's just like such a cool thing. Like uh, you're seeing like where it was, and where carpet pythons are now, and, like, I remember, like, a 70-foot, like, if you had 88% diamond jungles, oh, shit, man, that was, like, you were a top eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, now yeah. Nobody gives a shit, you know? It's just, like, nobody yeah. cares, or, you know, you're evil if you breed such a creature, you know? <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> but, it, it, I I don't know. I, I guess it's, like, a little bit of nostalgia for me, or whatever, but, um, you know, it just blows my mind, like, you know, you go in your in my snake room and, you know, you're looking at some of these animals and, like, they were unattainable, you know, uh, back yeah. then. Like, you would never imagine. Inland carpet? Get the hell out of here, man. That's not happening. Right. inland like,
3: Darwins. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's regular Darwins, it, not the albino. It's stuff. just sure. nuts. So
1: I wonder, like, you know, new people coming into carpet pythons in general, like, they don't have that same, that same, you know, like that same thing which in a way I guess is it's kind of I guess they probably don't care, but it's kind of a bummer that they don't see how it evolved. It's it's really cool to see how it how it's evolved. And like, you know, a tiger jag is just an amazing animal, but nobody gives two shits yeah. about it anymore. And it's just like wow, back then, tiger jags, holy shit. If you hatch tiger jags, you're like you know, people lining up to get them. Um, but
3: yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I mean, heck, I was even thinking this week, you know, I wasn't super thrilled with my answer last year. You said, well, what, you know, what's the thing you'd want to get or whatever? And the thing that I, I was happy with, the Lafay, uh, David I that was a good choice. But the thing I would have said, you know, that sort of has been on my mind, I love all the Nerodia species, so all the, you know, North American water snakes. And it's out of having one, you know, as one of my first snakes 20 years ago or whatever it was, you know, a big uh, – right for a big diamondback water snake you know and it's just like you hardly see that stuff and it's it's fascinating stuff they have the same sort of eye structure as anacondas and any of those sort of uh you know water loving snakes right They're, it all fits in that same way and it's like I saw a dude that had uh, captive bred from captive bred parents broad banded water snake from Baton Rouge Louisiana uh stock and it was just like I really thought about it man you know it was like oh you know, that's, that's the sort of thing that you don't see that much, but it's not a question of the price tag. It's just whether people really appreciate how cool those things are. And sometimes because they're not expensive, they're not appreciated. And I know that's been covered ad nauseum, but yeah, I, I really I was th- thinking about that this week, you know,
1: <laughs> I did a little experiment the other day. I posted up one of my Cape Yorks, right. And I wanted to, I didn't put any title on it. I just posted it up to see what people thought. Sure. And the people that Uh I thought would say, wow, that's an awesome snake, did. But as soon as it was said it was Cape York, and everybody was like, oh, my God, you have a Cape York carpet? You know,
0: (laughs) I'm like,
1: (laughs) dude, it it was right there. You you didn't care about it.
3: Now I'm telling you what
1: it is, and you're like, you know, oh, my God, now I want it.
3: That changes the game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, but they're badass, man. Holy shit. Another one, like I can't believe that that exists in yeah my my totally. collection. You know, like yeah, we totally might be man. seeing them soon, man. We might be seeing them soon in the wild, maybe. No, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> right, but,
3: that's all up in the air. Who knows? Who knows what we're going to yeah. be seeing? But uh, we'll see something,
1: right? But uh, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I, I we have to send out um uh congrats to uh Andy's Reptile House. I believe they're in yeah. France. But well, holy shit, man, they hatched out some pop. Oh yeah. Dude, is that not the coolest head poking out of an egg? Holy shit. That definition and oh. scalation on the head, I'm gonna put it over in the chat real quick, the
2: picture. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah I, I saw those. That was amazing. Yeah,
1: I was uh pleasantly surprised with uh, seeing that so I don't know if it's possible to get that person on the show to talk about it maybe who knows but uh, sometimes it's uh, difficult um, with overseas people
3: time language stuff all sorts of different stuff but yeah that's amazing
1: man who knows man that might be us in 10 years (laughs) you
3: know maybe we'll see (laughs) Might have to expand our groups a little bit. We'll work together on it, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, man.
3: Yeah. I'll be saying, Dear
1: Rob, my female ate my male. <laughs> what do I do?
3: Right. You wanna help me out? You wanna send yours? <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh man. So but uh yeah, I was I was pretty uh pretty pretty happy to see that and uh you know, <clears throat> I took my nephew to see Jurassic Park today. And I think one of the things that I love about carpets and this pop one picture has the same uh look to it is that that's what they look like to me. They look like raptors coming out of the the egg you know like that <laughs> when they're popping out. I don't know like ball don't, sure. they don't have that same look in their head or whatever you know it's just like the structure of their head yeah it's, they're you know. rounded boss. yeah, but like with with. The carpets in particular, they, they really have that that head structure that looks like looks like that to me. And um, the albino super zebra that KD Selective Creations had going on. I, I'm assuming that guy's in the States. I'm not sure.
2: I'm not 100% yeah, on that. So. He he got his breeding stock from Todd, so he has
1: to be. Todd? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, there you go. Um, that's really cool. Salad-
3: good to go and all that stuff. I th- I thought those people were saying we're struggling to hatch those or something.
2: They were for a he, long he post, time. He posted, he posted photos of it hatching and out and in his hands out of the egg and built his clothes. And I think even he might've even posted a first shed photo, but that I could be wrong on that. Don't, don't quote me on that, but he definitely posted it like out of the egg.
1: Yeah. He Man, posted huh? up the shed picture the other day. Um, Oh. Okay.
2: Yeah.
3: Yep. I haven't seen that. What is it what does it look like color scheme wise?
1: Um orange. Okay. And then it sort of it has like orange. a a, okay. a lighter stripe going down the side. It seems like that happens with super zebras a lot, especially when you're doing crosses from what I've seen. You know, they get that stripe. Um which is which is pretty cool. I was kind of bummed that I didn't hatch out a super zebra granite this year, but uh, yeah, can't get it all, I guess.
3: <laughs> well, what were the all those weird MacLady looking things that you had? Those are just different combinations. It's also <laughs> you got so many choices, right? So many options.
1: Yeah, I, dude. Uh, you know the, the the, I guess the jury's still out when it comes to that. I don't know. Um, I think the one <laughs> I just took a I I can share it in the chat. I just took a picture of the one um, that I believe is a super no 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 I'm sorry is a granite zebra jag and possibly has caramel in it you know that's that one that had that that real cool pose yeah yeah okay so it turns out that my granite zebra
3: it's not twisted up I I should clarify yeah (laughs) yeah
1: the the granite zebra that I got from Paul could be a caramel granite zebra and it just goes to show that like the variation of caramel, um, You know, that gene, um, and, and the variety of how it can come, you know, because I do have a female caramel granite zebra and you can tell that that's a caramel granite zebra, but this other one is not so much, but from the results of the clutch, you know, yeah. Paul said that that possibly could be a, caramel in it so I don't know we'll okay. see. see see how it grows grows out that's the one yeah. thing that sucks about patching this shit out because you hatch it out you don't know what it is
0: <laughs> like what is this and then you go
1: and you ask some of the, the 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 top carpet guys you know and they've been breeding this stuff forever and they're like I don't know <laughs> you're like wait a minute if you don't know
3: <laughs> <laughs> how the heck am I supposed to know I'm screwed
1: you know, so, oh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, uh, I'm, I'm kind of just having, uh, a lot of fun with the, uh, the babies. And, you know, I said this, I think on the last show, but holy shit, you and Owen were right with that work, man. God <laughs> damn. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's
1: a lot. It's a lot. If I was doing it full time, it wouldn't be as bad.
3: Right. You know? It wouldn't be bad. Yeah.
1: No, if I was doing it full time, I don't know what the full time guys are yelling about that takes so much time, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if that's what I was doing for eight hours a day, then I'd be solid, but to work eight hours or 10 hours a day and then have to come home and do that on top of it. Whew, yeah. You can get yeah, crazy. Man, you're busy. Yeah. And I
3: bet you're going through uh big fuzzies like crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was going to mention this. Um, when we were talking a minute ago, um, but, um, you know, that, that window I think is helping me a lot with getting these babies to eat. So what I do is as the sun, I would say here, it's probably about six, seven o'clock. I'll turn the lights out in the room, but there's still light coming through the window. And as the sun goes down and it's like really dusk at this point, it's just like eight thirty or so still light in the room, but it's, it's very, very faint. Um, I, I've just put the hoppers, frozen thawed hoppers in the, in the cage with the, with them. And they just eat. I can't believe how many have eaten so far. Just doing that. Awesome. Like no teas feeding. Like you remember years ago, the problems I had with the albino sure. stuff. Holy shit. I mean, I had to chop off pink heads and force feed at pink heads. <laughs> it was just a pain right. in the ass. Just
3: a ton of stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But these Please are... See. Do you just leave them on the on the floor of the or the tub is just kind of like that right time. So Is it perfect? or do you, you like actually talk feed them?
1: No, I just put it right in the tub and leave it alone yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything yeah, to yeah. it. maybe these are just uh you know these are just good that way i you know I don't know, but I kinda you know buddy Busemi talked about that with chondros, that you know the best time to feed them is uh. I think he he does at it at the transition same time. Point. Yeah. yeah. Or it's either yeah, it was it was right in the evening. During right?
3: the day yeah. or at that transition. Yeah.
2: Okay. That magic hour.
3: Yeah, I don't know if there's
1: anything to it, but you know, I guess it makes sense like the snakes would be out and about, you know, feeding at that point, I would imagine. Um sure. so kinda of tried it and it worked out, so cool. Pretty cool.
3: Well, no. you know Nick would say that that's based on the fact that you're working with several generation captive bred animals. So, I'm
0: just talking <laughs> about that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Good one, Rob. <laughs> but that, that, that
2: could be right, though. I
1: mean...
0: Uh, that could be something to- oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's something to that, but at the same time... But,
2: yeah. <laughs> You guys crack me up. <laughs>
1: so, so I don't know what else you guys want to talk about.
3: Shoot, everything. <laughs> All right. All right well, well, I want to hear more about what Riley's got going on because I I did listen to his show when he was on with the uh, Ground Up folks, um, you know. But I I'm curious to get into the Brazilian rainbows. Any of the big colubrid stuff, uh, any of the small clubrid stuff. Yeah. I mean, let's give t- throw Owen a bone here, you know, with the hog nose stuff. He's he's just cuckoo for sure. cocoa Puffs at this point on that stuff. So any <laughs> any of that stuff, man, let's talk about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we can we can go balls deep. Um I I love that uh Owen shares that same sort of like uh interest in those things because I, I got interested in the in Madagascar Hognose from when I was at the zoo because we had uh, or they still have her. Um, uh, this this female who's just like all black, just like super melanistic with white on her belly. And she's a sweetheart, and uh, she came in um, egg bound and actually survived for a couple of years like that before we diagnosed her properly and removed them surgically. And basically, I fell in love, and it was a matter of time before I got something. So I'm like really stoked that Owen's involved too. Uh, so we sort of like bounce those ideas off one another, but, um, it's just another one of those species kind of in the same way as like, you know, anything else, ruffies or king rats or just kind of those oddball species that kind of don't get the, the mainstream love that, um, at least deserve mm-hmm. to be preserved in the hobby in some way. Like the, the giants are pretty common from what I've gathered, um, as far as, uh, like, if you were to just go over to where they're found, you can kind of just pick them up off the, off the beach. But um, they're not in the hobby readily, so I think it's it's worth kind of working with them. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of having variety, so it's just another way to have a little bit of variety. And, and their care sort of uh, aligns nicely with... Uh, carpet pythons especially with the, the poplin in terms of their um their climatic requirements so they're kind of nice and then the rainbows are not too far off so yeah
3: awesome man what are you uh what are you producing this year
2: um not a ton because the with the move and everything well, yeah, the move definitely threw some females off. But um, I I did prove out a posset, uh granite female, a mixed blood female. So that was kind of nice because she was like one of the first carpets that I picked up when I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to aim for. I'm going to learn with these animals and really start going for it. And so I, I picked her up as a posset and really, really learned that. Um, and she proved out, which is nice. Uh, that was that question where I lost a few eggs, but, uh, I got three granites. I got 2.1, uh, visuals and 3.1 hats. So that was, um, my first sort of official, uh, morph that I've ever produced, which is kind of neat. Um, even if they aren't, uh, what, you, you know, what we would consider pure, that's kind of irrelevant, uh, at this point. Um, it's just really cool and exciting. And then uh, more building for next year, but I have a gravid Brazilian rainbow bow who she gave me her post ovulatory shed on 420. And her cycle records indicate that usually from that point on it's 120 days. So she's due August 20th to, uh, to drop another litter. And she gave me her first litter in 2016 after I'd had her for about a year and a half, two years. And um, <laughs> it was overwhelming to say at least. I hit uh, 34 live babies and one stillborn on my first try. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I actually, I had a, I'd gone out and bought a rack, another hatching rack in anticipation for that clutch or that litter because I had a, a an 18 slot and I said, I'll buy another 24. I was like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> so I bought another 24. <laughs> and, and then it wasn't enough. So I had to go hit up sea serpents again and double my order. Uh, and oh, God. and basically put 10 pairs of babies doubled up together. Um, which I didn't think was going to be an issue because I was like, oh, these things won't eat for a couple weeks anyway. They'll just kind of hang out. Um, and then... I don't remember where I got this, like, uh, idea to try feeding them early, but I remember reading somewhere online that, like, these babies hit the ground running, try feeding them right away because you won't be wrong. Um, it, at least some of them will. I was like, eh, what's the worst that can happen? I'll, you know, give my monitor a few extra rat pinkies today. And, uh, and lo and behold, I think I just, like, grabbed a bag of them and thawed them out, and 22 of the 34 babies ate frozen thawed rat niggies off of tongs 24 hours after being born, Um, and then the remaining uh, 14 followed suit in the next two days, so these babies were all eating frozen thawed off tongs within 72 hours, and I was just like, waiting for somebody to just like pinch me and wake me up because it was just stupid easy. Um I don't anticipate this year to go that way just because like I feel like I've used up my whole karma meter there on that one. Sure. Yeah. But uh yeah it was it was amazing. I love them. They're they're beautiful. They come out a little bit bigger than carpets, but not too much. Um big long head, really skinny alert and they, they hit harder than carpet babies when they're born, man, they it sucks getting bit by those things. They do it a lot for like the first month. I so that's awesome. That's me. fun, though. They're the only boa, uh, boa species I work with for now. I, I, I would love to uh, expand on on that, you know, should I have the, uh, the resources to do the devil line, but, man, I'm happy just producing, you know, one litter of boas every year or so, and... I I intend on growing that in a few years, but, uh, man, they're, they're amazing. They're, I don't
4: know.
3: They're, they're pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. What are you doing with, uh, king rats? You made mention of that. Are you the one who's got Owen, you know, chomping at the bit for the king rat stuff?
2: No, no, no. I, I almost bought a, uh, an albino male recently, but no, I, uh, I mentioned it just, and just like on passing, I I can't uh, <laughs> I couldn't afford to take on any more large galubras with the uh, it's As much as I would love to, because I'm with Owen, I love something with attitude like that. Um, sure, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I just don't have the space for those guys. That would be fun. I keep seeing, you know, Dan uh, Maleri's post with his bataias and other people posting those really really charismatic big colubrids and how could you not want something like that? But maybe devil. Yeah.
1: I can't believe that Owen doesn't have
3: Yeah.
1: I can't believe that he doesn't have those. They got to be like one of the coolest colubrids going, in my opinion.
2: But, yeah. yeah. They're amazing. They're... They're intelligent. They, they keep you on your toes. They've got all sorts of attitude. They'll strike at your face. They'll hop and pause. As far as we know, that seems to be that seems to be the OMAC special before the OMAC special.
1: <laughs> I can hear him now <laughs> screaming at it. It's because of money, Eric. God damn it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Lord. No, he, he, He'd tell me it's because of space because I... I peer pressured him at 9 PM my time one night to, uh, buy a trio of blonde, uh, Matt, hot nose.
1: Yeah. He's he's still mad at you for that because now he has to get the complete set. You know, (laughs) he's got to get them all. Oh
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he, you know, he got the bug when he bought those captive born, uh, at born and bred giants that, uh, I sort of pressured him. Oh, damn it, I did pressure him into those too. Dude, never <laughs>
4: mind.
2: I was gonna like defend myself there and like halfway through what I was saying I realized that was my fault too. So you're right. Mm-hmm. Sorry,
1: yeah, the, the 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 I mean, I don't know how you guys are, but like the what's what I'm struggling with right now is holding back. Like clearly I can't hold back you know, I mean, there comes a point where you're like, no, nope, these got to go. But like, as you see them shit, that's why I like, I think I have to get rid of carpets like right away. You know what I mean? Like, right. I Before go, they like, really in. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, you know, the more, more, I'm like, Oh man, this one's turning out pretty sweet. I could do this with that and put this one with that one. And it's just like, next thing you know, you're holding back all, you know, I was looking at the stack of you know, Rob, you remember like, how many of the baby tubs are stacked and they pretty much went up to the ceiling. So like a whole row of those is pretty much like set aside for ones to watch to hold back. I'm like, I can't hold this many back. Like, Holy shit, man.
3: (laughs) I don't have a warehouse for a year. And then, you know, then you start, you see, and you evaluate with your stuff, man, it's just going to be a question of evaluating saying, okay, you can hold it back. It just means you're going to have to get rid of something, you know, and that's where the hard part comes you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have the, yeah, um, is it, is it really good enough to replace something else? Cause that's what you'll have to do, you know?
2: So don't, don't listen to this crazy talk, Eric. I saw photos after the Fest. You have plenty of backyard <laughs> space. Lay some cash slabs. <laughs> throw some two by fours up, build a second building back there. I don't want to hear any more of this whining. I want to hear you writing about, your book and your genetic pursuits <laughs> to be the carpet king, and you're going to do doubles of everything, and oh, shoot. and you and Nick carpet are going to collaborate on the next book. Yeah, no, you and Nick are going to go <laughs> oh, big, balls deep. I want I want to see a I want to see a outhouse that leads to uh, a tunnel down into the basement, the lair. You know what I mean? And it's like a bat lair. It's like a cave.
1: Yeah. Lair. You know, it's funny. Uh, my neighbor just put up a a shed, like a really big shed. Um, the other day and I I went over and I was checking it out and I was like, wow, this is, so I'm telling my wife, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to be like my snake building. Like, I mean, it's a big ass shed, like really huge. And, uh, she's like looking at me. I'm like, yeah, I could do it all out in the yard. You would never even know I'm, 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 I'm here, you know, (laughs) she's like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, uh, I'm like, yeah, I think this could work. <laughs> yeah. you, you can keep your garage, or no, I'll probably need that too. <laughs> uh, no, that'll just
2: be your, that'll, the garage will be the baby room.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the rodent room at that point. Holy shit. Um, well, you
2: know,
1: yeah. whatever works. Yeah. yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean,
2: I'm a terrible. Influence. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then uh. You know, you hatch. I had another thing that hatched out this year that, uh, you know, I don't know. It's kind of bummed about, but still, I'll probably keep that too because where I'll give it to somebody as a pet. Perfectly striped tiger, perfectly striped tiger from the red tiger clutch has a kink in its back. It shed fine, and it ate, but it's got a kink. You know, so I'm like, uh, should I should I even try breeding this? Should I, you know? And of course, it's a female. You know, if it was a male, I wouldn't think twice about it. I'd be like, okay.
2: What about um, what about the host uh, or the guest who was on um, From the Ground Up last night? He's got a couple, like, lizards, and one of the things that were born and, like, developed MBD, and he loved the heck out of them and rotates them in his education. And he didn't mention a carpet python once at all in any oh, of his educational go. shows up there he's based out of Baker's field and he's had all sorts of animals donated to him from rhino iguanas to blueies to retics and things. And he's, I mean, I, I would say maybe before you take my word for it, go listen to the episode from, uh, from the ground up from yesterday, but um, he's going to be doing some film with Brian Cusco and, and a couple other people. And he just sounds kind of like a, uh, an all around great guy. I believe his name is um, his Brandon. Oh
1: shoot. Sorry, oh, uh, Brandon. Uh, Brandon Fowler. Fowler? Is that the yes, name? Yes,
2: Brandon Fowler. There you go. Yeah. Um he's got a couple animals. He's got a rhino bottom. It's got some um some curvy spine you know, and and I don't know, I mean, we're always talking about how the community has a negative perception of carpets. Maybe they, you know, I don't know. I don't want to push your arm or you know, yeah, man. Steer you in any way you don't want to go, but hey, you know, couldn't hurt.
1: Uh-oh. Owen just sent me a picture of, wait a minute, what is he doing? He's sending me a picture of Madagascan golden hog Ha! Ha-ha.
2: Does he have those? what I do now. Yeah. Oh, he has those. All right, all right. Well, that was also my fault. <laughs>
1: I can't remember the, what's the one he doesn't have? The speckled one or the something? The speckled. Is that, yeah.
2: That's yeah, yeah.
3: Are they
1: yeah, rare? He
2: has the, uh, um, they're, uh, out of the three, I would say they're probably the least uh, least common. Joe Swatalki did have a pair a couple months back, but that's really the first one I've seen in a couple of years. Um, I would say the uh, Modestus and Madagascar uh, Madagascarians are the more common of the three. The gay eyes are just harder to find because they're speckled. It? The speckling always kind of comes across as more of an ornate uh, sort of patterning, and I don't care who you talk to, it, it's always sort of favored. It's considered more beautiful, so therefore, I would consider maybe that has right. something to do with but really, oh my, I don't know. Right. But they're cool. Yeah. Cool,
1: cool, cool. So, what do you got going on this year, Rob? I mean, we talked about what we have going on. I mean, you, uh, I can't believe it's almost breeding season, too, again. Holy shit, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think mine's going to be low-key for this coming year. It should have a handful of clutches of rhinos again. Um, I think for this coming year, that's, you know, I have the Solomon Island tree boas that I put through the paces and have, uh, I think the key with them is just keeping them together. The females, it takes, they develop those follicles over a really long period of time. I think they get huge before they're actually, they actually ovulate and are gravid and, I think the key with those is just keeping them together, right? Rather than us, it's the same thing as always. We have our human ideas, whether it's using, oh, it's going to be this single pair of animals, I'm, so I'm using this one particular male. If they go, they go. If they don't, they don't. That's sort of our human construction applied to it. And then, uh, you know, oh, now's the time to breed them, so I put them together, and then I separate them and put them back together and all those sorts of things. And I think those are the ready-made ways to to screw it up, right? Because we're doing stuff with our own conception, not based on actually how it is in the wild, right. We've seen the things with anacondas and garter snakes and all these things where you have literally dozens of males that are breeding a single female, um, Mm -hmm. right. To optimize that fertility and make sure, you know, they're each trying to get a shot to to pass their genes along and all that stuff. And we don't really do that in captivity because we want to, we want to have the, the nice chart, which I appreciate that says, no, it was this one with this one, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, I think we kind of screw it up that way, but, um, yeah, rhinos, maybe Solomon tree bows, who knows? Um, but for this coming year, I think that's, that's basically it, man. This year, I'm hopeful to hatch out, uh, or have a litter born from those, um, those PRs. That'd be really cool. You know, that's, that's something that's fascinated me ever since, heck, you know, when I first started getting reptiles magazine back in, uh, Ninety-seven, ninety-eight, whatever it was and you see that and it's like oh well you can't even get these no one works with these whatever not quite true you know it turns out you can't you can't sell them across state lines so that's why sort of quote people don't care or whatever um but they are really neat things, um Owen no would really like those if he uh, if he actually went into
1: it. <laughs> yeah yeah As i like of them a
3: guy you know it's it's it, if you, as a boa guy like he is, and you really appreciate it, then... Clearly. He'll grow on you. (laughs) Yeah. Clearly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Isn't that weird how you pick a camp? Like, you're either a boa guy, or you're a python guy. Or, like, you're a python guy that has, like, a boa. Or, like, you're a boa guy that has a python. You know what I mean? Like, you very rarely see people that have really heavy-duty collections of both pythons and boas. At least I don't. Can you think of anybody? I can't think of anybody. Well, Maybe. I'm hopeful to
3: have both boas and pythons this year, and I got probably more boas than pythons, but not uh, not in terms of to go this year. Right. But, the, you know, I know what you're saying, man. I I think it's just there's so much cool stuff out there within one or the other. And then certainly within both, and then you get beyond that, and you say calibers and stuff, and it's just like, I mean, you could have, you could have as much space as gourmet road, and and there's still, you know, you could have the greatest diversity of things in that space, and there are still things that you don't have that you'd, that would be cool, you know, but you're just limited by your some resource, whether it's your time or your space or money or food or whatever yeah. it is right right there's more cool right. reptiles than we can keep man <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> hell yeah and then you get loud <laughs> okay. laws to the top and you know it's it's between that mix of things there's always something you know loxacemus, that's a cool one you know <laughs> heck that's that's another one sitting out there that i'd add sure. to my hey maybe someday list you know back 30 years ago that was one of the snakes to have now you hardly see them you know, I'm trying to get a guy on
1: the show to talk about him. We'll see. See how it plays out. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, this upcoming season, for me, probably the most excited one I would have would be Citrus Tiger's head albino. Uh, should go. So I can finally see that albino tiger. See uh, see, if, see if I can give those guys over in uh, Europe a run for their money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, Does it take a little is,
3: bit of time to see the stripes, though? Or do they, with the mixed stuff, it's not so bad?
1: So, I don't know. With some of the stuff that they've been doing, you can uh, you can see it. Um, but um, I don't know. I think that the citrus ones will be, obviously, I've said this a million times, I think will be higher contrast. So, like, the albinos yeah. I hatched up this year, um Definitely higher contrast because the, just when I used uh, the year before, I just did my albino, not the albino jag. And this year I did the albino jag and the contrast is crazy. You know, just right out of the okay. egg, the contrast is crazy. Usually you can't really tell, you can't see pattern. Um, so I would imagine, you know, that albino jag has jungle in it. So I would imagine that, uh, you know, citrus tigers will kind of go that same route. Now, the tigers they're using over in Europe is just the regular Bale and tiger, which are beautiful, but they don't have yeah, that.
3: sharp, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? It's not
1: the same contrast uh, look. Sure. So, so, I don't know. We'll see well, and if we right, get it could some look.
3: of that diffusion of color, too, you know, between the purple yeah. and the orangey oh, stock and whatever. Or it
1: could look like total shit, and it'll be a waste of five years of my life, or however
2: long it's been. <laughs> you know. Uh, Fortunately,
3: I think that's ex- exceedingly unlikely, but we'll see.
2: <laughs> yeah, no- nothing with Tiger can look like shit. Yeah, I
1: agree. I agree. It's one of my favorites. It always has been. That's another one. You go back and you look at some of some of the uh, some of the Tiger stuff. Like I forgot. Dude, I've been amassing pictures and articles and little posts and stuff of carpet pythons. And I have so many of these, like, uh, you know, thumb drives full of this shit. And I started going through it and I, I, like, went way back to, like, I'm talking, like, we're talking reptile radio days where I got uh, all this information on the Van Vetter line of jungles and stuff. And, like, BT showed me all these pictures and shared all this shit that he actually talked to them and wow, man, it's it's pretty cool. I was like, wow, I didn't know I had this shit.
4: <laughs> it's
1: just like uh, my own little personal forum, if you will, you know, but uh, yeah, some crazy pictures of some carpets from back in the day, but uh,
2: cool stuff. I think all that stuff is super important. I mean, that's like, it might not be in a, a format to be appreciated by uh, the rest of the community currently, but that stuff is mm-hmm. like 20 years online, if you don't have it, you're, you're like, damn, I wish I still had this photo or this or that. And it's, They're like little time capsules, you know? Like, last time I hung out with Todd, he showed me some photos that were from, you know, when his dad was still doing this stuff and, like, when the first little were being captured, as bred and born in the United States and photos in the first, you know, albino bows were coming in. He was just showing me this stuff. And mm-hmm. it's a series of polaroids and these photos that, like, they're not on Facebook you cannot go Google search that. That is not in the book. Like, that is, is irreplaceable, invaluable stuff. And I think those experiences that uh, belong to everybody who was a part of it, whether it was one of a kind or not or back in the day or relevant or not, it's all worth preserving. I mean, just think about the relevance, like, back in the day, Um you know things now and how it's going to be down the line like we're going to look back on all this stuff you're going to look back on all these shows like a time capsule like all oh, that stuff's cool man like keep on that stuff that's rad
1: yeah i kind of do that sometimes now you listen to you know for whatever reason i go back and i uh <clears throat> listen to a show for whatever and then you know you hear us you know again like super excited about tiger jags or something like that. like oh yeah man and i'm hatching out some tiger jags this year, like, yes, I'm the man, you know. And it's like nobody gives a shit anymore. Well some people do. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say nobody gives a shit. But they're just not as popular. I guess that's just the way things go, you know? I guess, you know Yeah.
2: They everything have have is the cool ones you post it up.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. I think you know what I think is gonna happen? I think it's just like with anything, you know, um even with species or whatever. Um you know, they kind of like disappear for a while and then somebody hatches out something cool, you know, and they're like, oh, my God, that is a cool snake. And then everybody wants them because nobody has them. You know what I mean? Like that kind of deal. Okay. Um, but like, <clears throat> I think like tiger jags have been selectively bred and all, but, uh, you know, I think uh, you, you you haven't seen that with granites yet or, and you know. You, did you ever see? I'm going to share it in the chat, but Rob, you probably remember this. Remember Pool Boy? You remember that? Grand? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about, Riley? Oh yeah.
2: Um, it sounds very familiar. The name is definitely ringing a bell. I, I, it's not bringing it back, um, like a photo memory for me, but the name is definitely familiar. <laughs>
1: Wait till I find this pic. You guys talk for a second while I look this up, and I'm going to share this picture over in the chat, and you're going to be like, what the hell? Hold <laughs> on. All
2: right, what Raleigh, so what's going on no. with you, man? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man, I... You avoided the new Santa working. Barbara fires, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, so I talked to um, a former co-worker of mine is still a keeper there. And I guess uh, the most recent one just went out. But it was definitely, okay. like, a, another big flare-up about, you know, 10 15 miles sort of east. And, it, like, it wouldn't have taken more than a blink of an eye for that thing to just run down the freeway. And that actually is a little bit scarier because it had the potential to be on the other side of the freeway where the zoo was, whereas those ones from the end of last year were, you know, sort of mountainside, they had a freeway obstacle. I mean, that whole place is just, it's been a drought, though. It's in this little pocket. It's just, like, set to burn every year. And as far as I can remember, it's always been on fire. And it's the most terrifying thing. And it's just stressful when you have a collection of reptiles. I move up here, I'm like, great, I don't have to worry about it. And then, like two weeks ago, I'm like, "Holy crap! There's a fire in Yomo County up here. You mean it's within a hundred miles of me? And that's what all that smog in the sky is? That's not just pollution in the city. I have to worry about another fire. I'm like, damn it, this state is killing me.
3: That's crazy, man.
2: Oh, that sucks. The picture's tiny.
3: <laughs> How can I so make bigger? So, what it are you bigger? doing up in Sacramento now, man? What's that? What are you doing in Sacramento? You left the zoo, right? So what what are you doing up there?
2: Um, I uh, I managed to get a job about a month after the move. Um, working for a, a company that um, I am a geotechnical testing lab technician, which is a mouthful okay. of. Sure. Lots of syllables and letters and words of things that basically says I work in a warehouse and I perform different tests on soil that are part of, like, these different constructions of levees and things in the area. So I'm sort of part of a company that does okay. a lot of the um, the uh, quality control of the construction of levees will so keep communities that are being built around them safe. So it's not very exciting. But, um yeah, it gets it gets the bills paid. The, the road orders come in when they do, and snakes eat. Sure. Know, I can't really complain, so you know, it works. Yeah, man,
3: that's cool. Are there zoos uh, up in around Sacramento? I assume there must be. But...
2: Yeah, there. Uh, Sacramento has an AVA accredited facility here that's even smaller than Santa Barbara, but um, it's actually really nice. Uh, I wasn't super familiar with it uh, when I was younger. Um, so part of the reason why we moved back, my girlfriend and I, is because we both wanted to sort of find a way to move up professionally. And she got a great opportunity here at the Sacramento zoo. Um, so she took okay. that, hence why I, I sort of, uh, uprooted it as well. Um, and so Sacramento has a great, um, smaller sort of community view mm-hmm. that, Uh, does a lot of excellent stuff with the space they have. They're involved in a lot of the the species survival programs and and conservation initiatives. They just had a uh, a snow leopard cub born that is the cutest, most feisty little um, wild, little white fluffy cat you've ever seen. Um, uh, They had a, a red panda baby born. They do uh, a lot of good That's giraffe awesome. conservation. I mean, they do a lot of cool stuff, and it's like a little 14-acre zoo. So they, they're like the, oh, the small but impactful sort of Northern California zoo. Um, you know, uh, no slouch to anybody involved, but sort of seems to get overshadowed by San Francisco zoo because of just the stature and everything. But um, no, it's cool. They that was uh, they they have. Uh, they have a sidewinder and a northern Pacific rattlesnake, so that was neat. Uh, I got to hold a uh, uh, one of the green sanzinia. They have one solo green sanzinia there, so I got to do Hi. that. That was pretty neat. They do a bunch of uh, really awesome turtle programs. They have a bunch of different uh, unique species of turtles and frogs, um, so it's a really cool
0: little zoo.
2: So I've gone out there for a little and brew thing, and I try and support them as best as possible, but... For the time being, I am not not currently in these, but I would love to get back into them one day.
1: Awesome, man! All right, I shared the pictures over in the in the chat. It was still, I forgot it was the uh, he was the winner of the twenty twelve carpet yeah. python morph that of the can. year.
3: Forgot about that. How could you forget about that?
1: All right, and then there was uh, the sibling. It's like unbelievable. Like, you really see the lavender in that one. It's just nuts.
3: And those were... Julie had those snakes, but those were produced by Pete Downing, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's all he did. Well, I mean, as far as carpets go, he just kind of, like, selectively bred the granites and stuff. But, man...
2: That's beautiful.
1: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's there's so much to do with these snakes, man. It's like... (laughs) you can spend a lifetime just, like, refining it. Like, nobody cares. I mean, just it's just like that. I think that they're really easy to refine because, you know, just in a couple generations. How many generations
3: deep was that? Yeah. I mean, this a is couple. Yeah.
1: This is like breeding yeah. into something besides something that was Het granite to begin with. You know what I'm saying? You know, like... Yeah. Out crossing i crossing mean, it if you will. We're
2: all sort of at the we're at the like the front line of what we can do with that. Like the world is our oyster as far as these animals are concerned. So we can really sort of just take it where we want and see what's available. So it's kind of kind of a nice free market if you will. It's great. It's exciting. It's new. Yeah.
1: You know, and we've said it before but I think like, you know, another one that uh will really go that route will be inland. Like, you know, if you can like really refine those that color that red and blue, and you know,
3: oh, yeah,
1: man, they're gonna be freaking phenomenal, you know. But, uh, because
3: I mean, I look at just the amount of regular inlands that you would expect, though, at this point, right? I mean, I know i yeah, nobody cares about looking it. in, but you don't see yeah. them like, where, where are they, man?
1: Yeah, nobody, nobody gives a shit, and it's, it's kind of give it time, man. I, I get it, you know, it's kind of like it's, it's kind of a hard sell in today's, uh, herp the culture if you will I mean everything is as flashy as it can be I mean yeah I'm I'm not going to deny you put it next to a chondro it's, eh, yeah I I get why people would be like oh yeah okay you know or like but some what some does it have <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's an inland morph it's you know <laughs> uh, it's a
2: blue morph
1: yeah but uh, yeah man some cool stuff for sure, for sure, but, yeah, and, uh, I think, um, you know, Paul, he's been hatching out some really cool shit, too, this year, yeah, man. you know, the
3: other, he hatched out some incredible stuff,
1: Ooh, man, he's killing it, um, he's gonna, he's, he's on his way to make some real sun glows, uh, you know, um, he got hypo-head people. albinos. Yeah, he, He's they just hatched out. He hatched out that clutch of Cape Yorks. Got those pygmy-banded pythons that hatched out, which is pretty badass. Yeah, he got a clutch, clutch of uh, albino blackheads. You know, see what happens with those. Um, you know, as far as uh, some of the carpet stuff that, you know. And that's just the stuff he's showing us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? I uh-huh. know. <laughs>
1: Then there's the other stuff that doesn't get shown, you know, like caramel head exanic uh Head granite, caramel tiger, double head exanic granite clutch that he did, and you're like, what <laughs> it's almost getting to owen's uh prophecy of the uh right. hippopotamus, you know <laughs> there was that really cool, I don't know if it was a hypo or if it was a uh uh caramel. Um, but uh, he hatched out this really badass clutch of uh looked like maybe hypo tiger jags or something like that. But that was really cool. Uh-huh. Um, he did that uh, caramel albino jags were pretty badass. Then there was that weird one. I can't remember what clutch it was from. Um, but it was almost like a bald back, but the back was brown. And then it had. Do you, yeah. do you remember seeing that? Right, seeing that? Yeah. Hypo tigers. Yeah, he has some cool stuff. Yeah. Time, so. Yeah, just when you think you're hatching out cool stuff, then you see what he hatches out. And like, uh, I got. I got. I got nothing, <laughs> man. <laughs> like, I suck. Go back to the drawing board, hey. bro. <laughs> hey, there's no. nothing
2: wrong with keeping it simple, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 excited about just pairing a a caramel to a tiger next season. So Hey man, little things but life. Nice.
1: You know, not not a, I think Paul's really the only one that I know of that's really hit like really really nicely striped caramel tigers, unless I'm missing somebody. But you would think that I mean, you would see yeah. that more by now, you know? I would think
2: well, I mean, uh, you know, we've we've heard Nick talk about the the challenges with uh, those two traits uh, sort of seeming to work against one another, and it, it seems to be definitely the case. Um, but hey, I, I'm not complaining. It means, uh, I get to sort of explore something that maybe isn't uh, quite as well known, and if it is, then. I'll just reinforce that whole uh, topic which is also relevant and, and worked well for sort of understanding those two traits as well but yeah, um, there's nothing wrong with it you know why not little things you alike, have right? to
3: hear OMAX thoughts on that right
1: <laughs> oh yeah which is <laughs>
3: <laughs> you tell me man lesser tiger <laughs> are
1: we going lesser tiger route <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, no, better.
3: no, no, no. I'm not I'm not getting that harsh, man. I'm not getting that harsh. Oh, okay. I was just talking uh, about it. Well, I suppose it's the same thing. Yeah, so he hatched out some caramel lesser tigers, right? <laughs> I see where you're at. Yeah. He overshot yeah. me, man. I wasn't I wasn't ready for it. Yeah, no. I oh my god. Yeah. Well you just yeah, I wasn't ready, man. <laughs>
1: Uh, good stuff. Uh, yeah, it's uh, that's, we'll that's on this thing. One. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, It's um, I think I think it's just uh, being patient and breeding those back. So uh, I would recommend Riley. It's like, um, I have this this you know, a couple pictures that um, actually Roger Lester did an article on striping and carpets. And he had it on his website, but I don't know if his website is up anymore. But again, these are the little things that like these little clippings from people's websites and stuff like that, that I have like all archived. Anyway, sure. um, he talked about these little markers that you can look for, um, and, and in, in for striping in carpets. And, um, they're pretty from what I've seen with the striped stuff that I've hatched out or that I have. Um, and then I bred and got striped stuff out of it. Um, if you pay attention to those markers, you pretty, pretty much guarantee to get some stripes out of it. You know, so.
2: But it's not like I what think, you would uh, think. I think uh, we need to we need to ensure that I have said articles at my disposal for double check. You know me and <laughs> my stripes.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, another cool thing I totally glossed over is next year I'll be breeding gelatins. Hopefully. Gelatin wow. jungles. Yeah, that's That'll pretty badass. Good, Another one. Never thought in a million years that I'd ever have them in my collection. And now I work with them. And then, you know, you think at Carpet Fest people would be all into them, but nah, <laughs> everybody liked the Sri Lankan python <laughs> or, the Angol- or the Angolans,
3: <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, uh, Although that gave me some hope. You know, I didn't view that as a negative. If you if it instead had been some Royal, then maybe that would be bad news. Yeah,
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Right. All. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they are pretty cool, man. They are cool for sure. But uh Yeah. I saw oh, masks, holy
3: the ones hell. that Matt got. What's that? I saw the the Sri Lankans that Matt got. Those look great, man.
1: Yeah, he got him from the uh, same clutch. Same guy, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, same guy. So that was cool. I'm glad he could get them because he said, I was telling him, I was like, I said, hey, man, just wait till I breed him. He's like, no, I'm not waiting all that time. <laughs> take forever.
3: <laughs> I know I'm you knew like, that's eight years from now. <laughs> yeah.
1: You ain't breeding in two years, bro. I'm like, uh, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> oh, Lord. But, uh Yeah, man. It's just, uh, some cool stuff. I guess it's all relative, you know, I mean, I guess people today, we got to do a better job. You know, one of my, uh, one of my gripes about YouTube is there's not enough carpet Python people out there doing, uh, doing videos, you know, on, on YouTube. I think maybe me and Riley are probably the only guys (laughs) doing carpet Python videos. Um, I think there's a couple people in Australia. Do you know anybody, Riley, that does carpet python YouTube videos that you can point me in the direction?
2: Um, well, I, I know Steven Katz will post um, some nice informational stuff when he gets classes or sort of like MI related things. Um,
4: man, yeah, I'm cool. super
2: bummed. To too hear. short though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are short. The little snippets into it. I know he's a super busy guy, and he just got a recent um, uh, job change with sort of a more uh, crack of the whip, yeah. uh, hour demanding sort of place. So he's not um, as flexible, from what I can tell. But um, gotcha. You know, we 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 took a hit with uh, the K brothers, sort of having to um, prioritize sort of family health matters as far as. Uh, their social media output and obviously family and health comes first. And I, and I wish Troy and Denver, you know, the best Those guys made awesome videos that like I just ate up um, and, you know, I wish them uh, the best in, in, in sort of getting themselves healthy and, and everything that's going on with them. Um, so my hat's off to them, but as far as other carpet videos, I mean, there's, there's not a lot. I, I struggle to find some, man. Like, I've asked people, like, hey, who do you watch? And it's sort of the same, same group of people. And I, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just not as expansive as some of the other uh, niche markets, you know. And so when I see you putting out those complex videos, I got super stoked. When I see Scott putting out his blogs on it, I'm super stoked. Like, um, we need more of it. That's the whole reason I decided like well, I got free time after I moved, I might as well make carpet pipe on videos, which is the whole point of signing up for YouTube um when you yeah. know more of it, you know you' you you asking me is is a clear demonstration that there isn't much out there, like you know it's not like retic videos or gecko videos or some of these other uh very popular um niche uh uh sects of the the hobby, which doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing. Like I don't know if it'd be great if everybody and their mom was breeding carbon and making videos about it. So there's a half <laughs> medium in there, but um <laughs> yeah you know uh, Yeah. I, that's 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 sort of what's been fueling me to put out a video every Sunday and sometimes I feel like I'm like half asking it but at the same time I'm like I gotta do something. Like, you know, there there are people that are constantly asking me for more and I think there's people who want it and people who eat it up and if it's done right I think we can absolutely still void that that's, you know, there lacking. We need more people on YouTube that are willing to, you know, put stuff out about carpets and a lot of the people in carpet pythons are sort of old old schooler guys, which is you know, I can't blame them for not wanting to be on YouTube, man. I I don't want to be on YouTube half the time. <laughs> it's um, freaking
1: brutal, man.
3: <laughs> it's brutal. Um, right? Did the second part of the OMAC thing ever come out? And were the comments um, turned down. Yeah. These are important questions.
1: <laughs> so it was pretty funny. I can't remember who posted it, but um, I posted up that video of the carpet complex because this is a video I've been wanting to do for a long time because there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of, conf- I, I think, to me, the biggest thing, I just, this is how I look at it. I remember when I was getting into carpets, what confused me? What was, like, what the hell is going on with these things again? Like, explain this to me one more time. You know, so I'm, like, trying to work through those things and trying to put out the information. And I'm thinking, like, well, I got all these things. So, like, if somebody wanted to see, you know, like, I, I, I have to edit it up, but, like, the Xanax action out with that whole, you know, controversy with how what how is it, you know, genetic. Well, here it is. You know what I mean? Like you can see clearly this and this, like, what do you think? Do you think that people are idiots now because they're saying this? I mean, this is what you're seeing. So what do you think it is? You know, but you know, I'm sure that, uh, everybody will be uh, in, in full attack mode when that comes out. But, um, yeah, but as far as the Owen thing, uh, I, you know, so I posted up that video and they were like, uh, as much as we think this video is awesome, uh, I'm very disappointed that the second installment of Owen was not put up. I'm like, God damn it, damn! It, I gotta get to that. I do. Oh, uh, yeah. That's probably the cooler part of the video, honestly. Right. Because... It was the other stuff, right?
3: It was the, the well, etcetera, not the
1: not the carpet. Yeah. Stuff. It was his um, rough scales. That was one. Uh, definitely got some good footage with rough scales, uh, which again, you don't see anybody really doing rough scales on YouTube. Right? Yeah. Um, no, so that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, then the other stuff was more along the lines of uh, his colubrid stuff that he's working with. And, you know, um, he, Rhino Rats, I think we got, Cognos, uh, what else? Um, was the Olives and stuff in the original one? The White Lips are in the second one, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. But uh, I'm trying to think of all the colubrid stuff he had. I think we might have done uh, the uh, cave-dwelling rat snakes. I'm sure. I think he had. I don't know if he still has those, but I think uh, at the time he had them. So we did. We did it. But I'm I'm turning the comments off. <laughs> Fuck those people, man.
4: You know what I mean? Cause Dude, it's YouTube, so hard.
2: YouTube is just brutal. Man, like, yeah, it's, it's so hard to go out of their way to make fake accounts just to shit on you. And it's like, really? Yeah, man, it's like, crazy, man. Well, that That's effort put into saying three words <laughs> to me. Like, Dude, really? Dude, really? if I don't like
4: you...
1: Yeah, I, I, me, and, me and you, Riley, and I've talked to you too about this, Rob, but there's certain videos. It's like, you know, I try to give people a chance and I watch it and I'm like, okay, I don't disagree with you, but at least I'm seeing a different point of view. You know, and then something comes out and I just I'm just like, no, that's that's a bridge too far, man. I can't. I'm wasting my time watching this. You know, like I can't believe I freaking sat through this and wasted valuable time, like time that I can't ever replace ever. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I can't. So I unsubscribe. I never disliked the video of said people nah. I never made a comment that you're an idiot or you're all wrong or whatever you know what I mean like nothing yeah. like that yeah it doesn't just help unsubscribe <laughs> you know I mean yeah Perfect. that's
2: it you know um yeah. that's all you need to do Fe- feeding into it is the be- is attention that they crave so like doing anything about it is just pointless in that in that sort of realm I mean it's the same thing as, as voting with your dollar. It's voting with your comments, your likes, and subscribe yeah. on a different platform.
1: Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. You know? I I think I like I like Dave Kaufman's videos a lot. Um you know, like Brian's vlogs and stuff, I like the guy, but sometimes it's a little too, you know, uh happy, I guess, for me. Like, you know, I I don't know. It's just like, it's just like <laughs> Turn it down a notch up, bro. You know? And I again oh. I don't have nothing against them, but it's just like, wow, that's that's really uh super hype. And I get it, man. It's like I get why you're passionate and all. You know. And then uh, probably my favorite channel <laughs> of all is probably Reach Out Reptiles. I, I just I really like the style that he does. You know, Brian Cusco, he does a good job. I like when he does Triple i V. I'm not into the whole uh like the vlog style thing you know like to me that kind of gets for way because a lot of these things like miss me and chris salemi were talking about it's like a lot of these guys that are doing like really good videos and stuff like you know the guys i just mentioned um um it's like watching a short little documentary you know what i mean so it's pretty badass like some of the some of the way they do it is uh is pretty good um so I just think there needs to be more for carpets. I like Justin uh, um YouTube. I think he does a good job. He never gets like, uh, you know, nothing drama. He just comes on and just talks about what he's got going on. And he has some freaking amazing, holy shit, man. <laughs> he has the, royal, <laughs> the royalist of the royal pythons, man. Like that guy is oh, knocking it out ooh. of the park, man.
2: Holy yeah, shit. yeah, no. Yeah, you're, you're 100% spot on with the Snakes, but um, I, have to, I have to reinforce your, your point about his uh, staying out of the drama and just being quality and professional. That dude oozes professionalism and quality and staying out of it. Like, you will never see him getting into any sort of a pissing match in any sort of comment said. Like, you want a great example to follow? I don't know if you'll find better.
1: Yeah, I uh I, I, I kinda like uh I don't know. He was on one of the podcasts. I don't know if it was From the Ground Up, the, the uh the Ball Python one. I don't know. Whatever one it was on, but he was kinda talking about Even that. He did From now. the Ground Up. Yeah. I can't remember which one it was on, yeah. but that's kinda what he was talking about, like how he kinda steers himself away yeah. from that and you know? Yeah.
2: No, that was that was from the ground up. That was with Joe and Melissa. I remember um I specifically remember listening to that one at work. Just I mean, I already liked his videos and I liked his approach to things. You you can already tell he's got a very healthy, holistic approach, just a very real world sort of idea of things. And then that came out I was like, Well, I'm sold. This guy, you know, he knows his shit. It doesn't matter if he's in the ball pythons or something you don't care about. He's got a healthy approach to He's a yeah reptile, and I think there's something to be learned from that. I mean, I don't care what you do. That's that's a wise and intelligent individual. I know for I think myself, Garrett
3: didn't want to get into it, but he was with the the fat man too, right, man? And that you're trying to parse between the two, I think. But they were both yeah, great.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I yeah. like his. I like his podcast. He, he does a good. I, I like him. He's he, yeah, he's, yeah. he's one, guy, one of those guys like. I think he's, like, one of those guys, like, you don't know how to take it first. You're like, this guy's an asshole, but that's what <laughs> he's trying to be. You know what I mean? Like, and then you're yeah, like, oh, yeah, thing. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> that's his thing, you know? He's, like, from New York. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. He literally doesn't give a shit what anybody thinks. He's just like, go fuck yourself, you know, and <laughs> call it a day, <laughs> you know? And I can oh, respect Lord. that,
2: you know? but uh, It's the whole devil's guy. advocate approach. It just makes you think, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the the one thing I can respect about what he does is the fact that he doesn't he doesn't give a shit who you are. He's he's calling shit out. Like he calls his customers out. He calls the people he's buying from out. He calls, it doesn't matter, man. He's calling the girl that didn't go out with him out. He's calling everybody oh, out. It's, it's awesome. Damn. Man. Yeah. Damn. It, it makes for uh for a good good listening, man. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. There's um. What was the one that uh that just popped up, Rob, that we were talking about? So if you give them a uh I can't remember what it was called. Um the one you shared. Which with one?
3: Me. Okay. Squaw Okay. Squaw make S so Q S-Q- yeah. S Q U M A T E S Squaw Um Yeah. That's a cool one. It's a lot like the Her Pilots podcast. Um at least they've only had the one uh one episode, one episode. That was super broad.
1: Yeah, they covered like um, every family of reptile <laughs> and amphibian, right? Wasn't that it? They went through like every yeah. single family. Yeah, it was like, oh my god, man, that's a that's a huge undertaking, you know. So
2: that's whew. impressive.
1: That's pretty cool. I had, cool. To, I I I had
2: not... to teach that to volunteers at the zoo. That's not easy to do. You really have to whittle that shit down to keep them awake.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think back to the days me and Rob, where you know, Reptile Radio was it, you know, and now we got like all these uh, awesome podcasts to choose from for listening to reptiles. So, yeah, yeah. I dig it, man. Mm-hmm. You know who needs to do a, a YouTube channel? Mister Stone here. He should do uh, some YouTube stuff. That'd be pretty badass.
2: <laughs> Not, Not enough Brian a rat content on there.
1: Yeah, oh, man. man. Yeah, but you just know everything about everything. If I need to know something reptile related, I just call up Mr. Stone and say, hey, Rob, do you remember blah, blah, blah? Yeah, back in, uh, you know, 1992, uh, this person got a shipment in, and uh, in that shipment was this, this, and this, and da 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 da
0: How the hell do you know all this shit? <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, Lord. Uh, well, it's just thinking about, you know, loving reptiles, thinking about reptiles, you know, every minute of every day.
0: You know, going yeah.
3: forward, reading books, reading magazines, reading everything that's out there, and
4: reading you know, a what? I,
3: I, oh. I know, right? Well, I think that's <laughs> the big that's the big difference is that it's like, oh yeah, it turned out if you actually had to put it in a real publication, people didn't just troll other people. You know, it, it might yeah. it might sneak its way in in, in a one liner, but you'd have to even then, you'd have to know the full context to appreciate that that's what that was supposed to be. You know, it wouldn't be obvious. It would be
0: like, (laughs) oh,
3: yeah, you had to know the in-joke to get that it was a joke and that sort of thing. It was, you know, (laughs) 99.9% actual information, actual real stuff. Because, you know, it was in a book. It was a serious thing. Or in the the vivarium or whatever it would be. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I just wish, I do wish people would appreciate that stuff more. And I think that's, to your point, I think people would appreciate things that are not, quote the it thing you you could like the non pre-approved project if you had had that broader base you know if you were coming from a broad base it's it is sad to see so many even sites you know that i think of that i like to go to 20 years ago or 18 years ago that aren't there anymore you know you better hit up the internet archive you know but if you don't know the the url then you can't even get there it's gone it's just it just disappeared you know and it, that part is a bummer
1: yeah yeah, that's kind of why I I started archiving stuff myself. You know, um, yeah. whether it be printing out there, you know, like um, I think of it. But the back in Leary my day, site,
3: the Yasser yeah. site,
1: you know, all those things, you know. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. Like I remember, that's where you would go. Like you, there, there was the the Facebook thing wasn't there, so like you would go and cruise people's websites. You know what I mean, and you would be you would hope that there was an update yeah. on there. You know, some guys were really good about updating their stuff. Some guys were
3: really bad.
1: You know, it was like years. But
3: even would go by. it's sort of fun, right? It, it, to some extent, it's fun when they weren't updated because I remember looking at site. You know, I remember looking at uh, VPI site New Year's Eve heading into two thousand. You know, and they hadn't updated it for a year, so it was their ninety eight ninety nine stuff. You know, that season that was available, and it. I remember I remember looking at it that new year's eve you know and thinking, right. okay look at all this cool stuff and they had all pythons they had ring pythons they all these different things and you can actually i think that one's still in the internet archive i think i sent that page to you but it's just yeah. like it's a whole different thing and in know in its own way it wasn't cool because you're sitting there going man i want to buy that uh that's certainly been sold a year ago or mm. whatever but <laughs> it, it was fun to look and see like you know just just get that perspective. You know, it's not about, it wasn't about, well, I can't have it because it's been sold. It was like, oh, okay. Now that, that opens my mind to these things being possible, right. It just expands the world of possibility.
1: Sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, what was the other one that I used to go to all the time? Um, Anthony so site. You know, just looking at his stuff as far as carpets. He was the one that had, like, the care sheet and the breeding and the, you know, all those different things. He just had such a
3: sharp sight, man. That was just so sharp.
1: Yeah. And, like, uh, it was really good with, like, his breeding diaries. Like, a lot of the stuff of my ideas for my website really came from that because I think that that's lacking out there. And I remember how much I would go to that, you know. It wasn't even like I followed his recipe for, for breeding or anything sure. or keeping. It was just interesting to have something that you can kind of like, uh, you know, use to sort of, if you had a question or whatever, you know what I mean? And, and yeah, his, yeah. his, 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 his his sharp, his site was really, really top notch. I mean, that's what he did for a living, I think. Right. Right. There was a
3: brief period. So he had worked for Gateway, and then there was a brief period where he had uh, been doing that. I remember he put together uh, the skeleton of the site for Terra for blood stuff and whatever, you know. And I had reached out to him, but by that time he was already moved past it. Um, Right. But yeah, I mean, there was a reason that he his site was so sharp.
1: Yeah. So um, trying to think, who else had a really good site back then? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, They were the two that, like, I went to all the time, you know. Nick's site was so different back in the day. I mean, his (laughs) site was like... He was working with
3: Steve and with Ryan and stuff, and, you know, so you had had platinum Chinese beauties on there, and he had all this I need to actually dive into the archive on his stuff. Was it that it was always that same inland, or was it called something else at the time when it was the three of them?
1: No, I think it was inland reptile, but um it was
3: the inland reptile site, okay, yeah, I'll have to yeah' I'll have to dig into that a little bit
1: and Play w- around there. you know what what was weird, what's really strange is I think back then, right, and like i knew I knew Nick was somebody that was in like I knew he was a carpet guy, but like you'd go to a site and he just had like coastals on there, so like I'm just coming into carpets and I see all these other guys where they have like, you know, these beautiful Jack, like, you know, again, Anthony Caponetto's IJ Jag Bullwinkle. And you know what I mean? And like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, so what makes this guy Nick so spread? I don't understand. Like his snakes are not that pretty. Like what is, what is the deal? Why is is this? I don't get it. You know? And again, this is just, I didn't know anything about carpets you know so i and i remember sending him an email and i was like uh you know because i was trying to get carpet pythons from the people that were known for working with that subspecies so like when i finally came time to get some bread lie i decided to hit him up and i you know i sent him an email and he's like no you gotta call me i was like call you what the (laughs) hell man (laughs) So I remember being, like, all nervous to talk to him. Like, I don't know. Just, like, Uh you know, like, I guess that, sort. for lack of a better word. he used to swing
3: hard on the forum, for sure. He would come hard. Oh, shit. Yo, Riley,
1: you, back on the forum days, right, he had this, he had this avatar, right, with this guy just punching somebody in the face. That was his avatar. It was punching him, like, and it was, like, it was, like, a... It just was moving constantly. So, like, you just saw Nick's avatar, just like, some dude just punching another dude in face. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. Wow. This guy scares yeah, the yeah, shit he, out of he me. He always don't talks about, you know,
3: putting out a good image, and it was like, oh, my God, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was, like, some of the arguments that him and Yasser would get into, oh, uh, shit. That's another guy that, like, people uh, don't know about. You want to talk about IJ? I've heard, man. He was the guy, He was the man when it came to IJs. Like this guy yeah. had, like if he would have stick with it, IJs would be like jungles today, uh, no doubt. Because the shit that he was working with, man, was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and most of the stuff he was getting was all wild caught. Right. Amazing stuff. I mean, that
3: was the thing. You know, it was amazing wild caught stuff because most of that was sort of after the initial first wave, right? You know, that Cameron talked about last week where they'd first come in. Everyone's right. super excited. Then it sort of died down a little bit. And then he was just grabbing all the best stuff, you know, and, okay. and he was putting it out there saying, hey, you know, here's this one, you know, and here's the pictures. And it's all wild caught stuff or F1 stuff out of, you know, that he had made from those animals. And it was just fabulous. But it was like that slight fallow period where it was like, okay, everyone kind of got some and they've seen what they can do or so they think. And then man, he just hammered it with getting the best of the best.
1: Yeah, there's this animal, Was the name, I think it was a female. Her name was Fig, right? And the thing that sucks yeah. is when you go to MP, that section of history got deleted. So yeah. it's gone. So, Riley, I'm telling you, this IJ was freaking amazing. Like, one of the best IJs you would ever see in your life. And now nobody knows about it. Nobody knows any. <laughs> it's just gone. It's gone, it disappeared. TV. Yeah. Holy TV. shit, this thing was amazing. But like uh and then the other one, he's out of it now, but you want to talk about an IJ guy, um, Luke Snell, man. He's he's like a huge yeah. influence on me when it comes to IJs and like dude was he had to be one of the coolest guys in carpets, man. You're he was such a nice such, guy, man. Such an awesome dude, man. Really, really was. Um, you know. I've he, like going and seeing his stuff and how he did things. And like, you know, he just opened up his house to, to me and, you know, it just all a funny story. He was going to be the, uh, Morelia Python radio co-host. The co-host. <laughs> yeah. <before laughs> that. yeah. Board. He was, and then, uh, he, he couldn't commit to doing it every week. So that's kind of when we kind of, you know, that's why he was on the first two weeks. Um,
3: right first
1: two weeks and then the Christmas first two shows,
3: back. yeah,
1: yeah. So, those but those are great um, shows, man yeah yeah he's he's a really cool guy uh, if you if you yeah, ever want to listen, what's that?
2: I was just gonna say, in reference to those first couple shows when when you got to that point where you guys were exceeding what they were allowing you to keep on there, and you're like, oh, the first couple shows are like gone, I sort of yeah. cried a little bit inside. I was so like, if you
1: really no no no,
2: that's like volume one edition one. No, those can't be gone.
1: So if you really want to listen to them, the way you would listen to them is if you go to Blog Talk, you can get them there. But uh, okay. you can't get them on iTunes because I guess you can only keep a certain amount of uh, of episodes,
3: something
2: like that. Yeah. The- as long as they're not gone forever, man. Those those are little time capsules. Like you're gonna look back on the telling you right now you might not think much of it even if the show, you know, forbid, decides to you know not to go on uh, forever because we all know that it will, um <laughs> it you know, should it ever decide to uh take a bow. Um you know that's something important. Um we talk about like articles written by guys who have gone out and like research things in the wild for the first time. And then we talk about you know, the next stage of it. And we're, if you think about it, we're sort of in that phase where like we're the advanced, like several generations of keeping reptiles in to the point where there's now a multi million slash multi billion dollar industry behind it. Not only are we doing this, but we're advancing it. So it's kind of important to be like everybody's observation. I don't care who you are, or what reason you're working with. Like, that's important. We're going to all look back when we're trying to either save the species from extinction or bring it back from, like, the one animal. I don't know what it is, but uh, I just can't help but thinking of the intrinsic importance of these types of bits of information.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, the thing that I always uh, liked about it, about putting it out like a show, is the fact that, you know, those stories that the guests come on and share you know, and like, you're hearing it directly from that guest, you know what I mean? Like you're not hearing it secondhand. You're not, you know, that's why we like when cam came on, I, I geek out so hard about those kind of shows because, you know, that's, that's a part of history that, you know, 10 years from now, if cam is out of this and not doing it anymore and like, Say, guys like Rob is just like kind of like they. I, I can't imagine, he's like me, I can't imagine him ever not being in the reptiles. But just say, for instance, you know, we bow out and we're not in it anymore, um, you know, they sort of that those stories and that and, and that those experiences get lost, you know, and they're gone,
2: and it's, yeah. you know, and that's, that's a huge, would, huge tragedy that that happened. I think that's why it's good that we foster future generations like your show is
1: doing. It's important. Yeah, it's... Uh, that was always the goal, you know, and and there's so many good people in the, the, you know, Morelia family, Carpet Python world, or, you know, when I think of Morelia, I know that, uh, you know, Scrubs and Bolins and Condros are not... Well, Morelia. Well, Condros still are, but, you know, those other things... I still look at that group as being the group even though it's no longer the group you know so like you know like what David Means is doing or Lawrence over in Europe and you know all these guys doing you know you got Ari and and, uh, Keith and you know with the Bolins, and like I don't know I still kind of lump them into that same type of uh, Python niche of the hobby if you will and they get yeah, their information, yeah, you know, like there,
2: those... needs to be spe- there needs to be specialists like that. I think that's like crucial to uh, keeping at least some level of appreciation that should always reminisce and just be available. And, you know, not to say that anything else is any less important, like you know, Yeah. That stuff can exist. Super important, but as long as we have like some roots of it, you know, like the roots die, the tree dies. You know what I mean?
1: Sure. You know the uh, the, uh, the I was just. I was just thinking about this the other day. The other cool thing about being in the carpets is, is that you're going to see stuff hatching out year-round because when we're hatching stuff up here in the northern hemisphere, yeah, you know, those guys down in the southern hemisphere, in Australia and yeah. stuff, they're uh, they're seeing what we're hatching out. And then you know when we're like in our season where all our stuff is hatching out they're getting ready to breed. I've seen some of the guys posting up some of the pairings and stuff that they're doing and you're like, Oh shit. So it's like, it's never, uh, you're never off from seeing a cool stuff hatch out. That is the cool thing about Facebook. I will say that, you know, the fact that, you know, it seemed like back in the day, you know, the Americans and the Europeans had their own forum or even the Europeans had then, wasn't there like a reptile UK forum or something, Rob? You would remember yeah. that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we all had our Well, own you remember little... going
3: to the Australian Classified page, right? I'm trying to think of what it was now. But I know that was the spot, and you'd go and you'd look at the yeah. albino olive the pythons and albino carpets and stuff. And, yeah, I'm talking at this point 18 years ago or whatever. I don't know if that site still exists or whatever, but that was the way to see it. You know, you wouldn't see it on Facebook. So, no, I'm Ooh. with you, man.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, that's the one good thing that's kind of out there now about Facebook is you kind of like we're kind of lumped into one big group now, you know. I mean, Australians still have their little groups and stuff, but a lot of us that are into like, even if it's just carpets or whatever, you know, we're all together in one sort of group and, you know, we can see what we're all doing now. So that is a benefit to, to social media, if you will. I just wish more people did it on YouTube so you could watch it, you know.
2: Well, if Santa. there's if there's any if there's any hope in that it's that uh, globalization is sort of an inevitable process um, i actually majored in in global and international studies at UC Santa Barbara and i will tell you that once it starts you cannot stop it and because we have the internet and because we have you know airplane travel and train tra- like all these different ways like it started with the invention of like, ships and boats, like, really, but, like, the internet just totally fucked everything up. Everything's global. (laughs) You don't have to physically be somewhere to be somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, it's just if things haven't gotten there or we haven't advanced to that point and you're thinking about it now, it's because somebody thought about it as well, and it's just a matter of time. It might already exist. It just might not be mainstream yet. Trust me, we're at this point where we're, like, snowballing into, like, exponential advantage in society of things and what we're thinking of probably already exists. Like, for example, cars that could obtain 99 miles per gallon have existed since the early 1900s, um, but over in Europe and they didn't want the United States mainstream to have it because when this was going on, it was the whole boom of it all. The bigger is better and it was all capitalistic and money motivated. So, You know, they didn't want you to be able to buy a vehicle that can get 99 miles per gallon. They want you to think that getting 25 was, like, top-easy gag. It's the same thing across industries. It's just, it's all cyclical. So, just a matter of time. (laughs) Okay, what I'm saying is, Bolins will be obtainable for everybody should we want that. We just got to make it happen.
1: Yeah, one day. (laughs) I mean, you know... (laughs) One day, I want somebody I think, to breed some air
2: screw. I think I saw a video clip of somebody uh, who had Bolins at the San Diego show, a pair of them for 12K. Really? really? Uh, yeah, I was uh, watching a YouTube video of somebody glanced by it and did a whole San Diego show and I'm not kidding. I saw a pair of bolins on the for 12k, and I'm like 99% sure it was a, a San Diego show recap.
1: Wow. So here's a question that I'm gonna pose. And I don't <laughs> so understand. Let's see how. where you're going. And me and oh, Rob have it, told, yeah, me and Rob have talked about this before, and we'll end on this. But my question is, so you have a species like bolins, right? That have been bred in captivity, and are somewhat—they—they they definitely seem like they're more readily available than Halmahera scrubs. But yet, Halmahera scrubs you could get for how much, Rob? What would you say? Four hundred bucks, maybe?
3: Yeah, like right. Yeah, I mean, they're—they're they're in the the five hundred or less range.
1: Yeah. Right. But yet Bolands command this price like they're five thousand dollars. i don't I don't understand <laughs> the difference <laughs> like, I don't know I guess I see them as the same, so to me I, it, it boggles my mind why there's such a difference in price between the two
2: you know sure. uh, they've been marketed well. The history behind them probably has some influence in terms of what was accessible first and how often and frequently and consistency, and then it's just too marketed and well. And you can't tell me uh, a really dope-ass velvety black snake uh, will always be sought after more than sort of an earthy brown snake. I mean, no no slouch to any scrub whatsoever. Anybody who, you know, says anything down about scrubs hasn't experienced those. So, like, nothing about that. But I yeah, is expressive black snake kind of badass.
1: I get it. I'm don't get me wrong. Well then then why not diamonds don't fall into that same You see what I'm saying? You see where I'm like what makes yeah. Bolins so spe- Don't get me wrong, I'm not well,
3: I'm not down in Bolins at all. Well,
1: I, I just don't I understand just
3: last week when we talked to Cameron where it was like You know, he he mentioned, right, that Prisina, the green tree monitors, are the most common lizard or most common monitor species, you know, where they're found. It's not that they're rare. You take something, and that's at least was. Now it's less than the the blues and the yellows, but, like, I mean, that was a pinnacle species and is still way pricier than the black trees, which are from Aru, that Aru Island archipelago. And they're, you know, two or three times as expensive, and, I think in my life, I've only seen offered for sale baby black tree monitors a single time. And in the wild, they're actually a rare critter. They're much harder to find, but somehow they're, you know, three times cheaper. I've seen dozens, hundred, if, dozens if not hundreds, of baby cresino, baby green trees for sale, you know, that have hatched mm-hmm. out beautiful little babies. And I, I don't begrudge them their price, but once in my life, I recall seeing baby black trees for sale, and then I saw them one other time um not for sale. And it's like, how are these things three times as much? They're far more com exponentially mo- more common both in the wild and in captivity and yet they're they're much more expensive. I I don't know, man. It's you get you get stuff like that and I guess you just have to uh find the inefficiency, man. You know, the the answer is I guess I need to work with some black tree monitor or some Bakara, you
4: know.
3: <laughs> right. I
1: mean, to me, well, I guess it's it's a matter of, like, people liking certain species, and, and, you know, I get that. I understand that. And, again, I'm I'm just trying to understand it, and I'm just thinking out loud. And it just seems like like sort of the draw to something like a Bolin's Python is the fact that it hasn't been figured out. You know what I mean? So, like, right. to me, I never hear people talk about so much – the look as much as the fact that they're trying to physically understand this species of snake it's sort of like you've bred all these different pythons and usually the next step is is like you're going to go into this python because these are a little bit more difficult to breed uh, you know but halmahera hasn't been bred at all not at all <laughs> so yeah. why wouldn't that fall into that same and again, I'm not trying to say raise the maybe because they died, but didn't bones fall into the same same thing? Like yeah, Bolen's used when to, they were when coming they came in? in
3: big. They were not yeah, they didn't do well. I think the right. answer is it needs to happen once so that people think oh, it's actually unachievable. It's not just this unachievable ah, thing.
4: Yeah, it's maybe this, that's this, it. This weird middle yeah.
3: ground, you know, where it needs to happen some so that people are like, oh, okay, it's it's super rare, but it's achievable. As opposed to, you know, the home thing where it's just like, well, (laughs) I know all these people, super qualified people haven't been able to pull it off. So, uh, you know, I I don't know if I really am am the guy or the gal, you know.
1: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That does make sense.
3: I think Chris has got a real shot, though, man. If he just keeps it cool, you know, and is able to stay consistent with what he's doing, I think Chris has a shot
1: yeah I hope it doesn't happen, man. I hope that the scrub bug doesn't get', them, man. you know you know what I'm talking about <laughs> I do It's the kiss of death with scrubs. I've done it three times, man. you get 'em you're yeah. jazzed about' them, you're like yes, and then you sell them all <laughs> well, you're anytime like no way, man it,
3: you're dealing with stuff that's hard where it's just like it's fun to have some, but when every single thing you have and when you get so oh, if you get overloaded that's it's the same with. Ganyu Selma, where it's just like, yeah, I get it. It's fun to have a, a handful of snakes that are a handful, but when everything you have is a handful and then you your collection grows and grows and grows, eventually you'll hit a point where it's like, wow, it's actually not that fun to go do this anymore. I mean, that's that's how it happens, you know? So I I think he's in a good place and I, yeah. I'm hopeful, hopeful for him.
2: That's why I only have two Kribos. Yeah. Yeah
1: right yeah i mean if i probably if i would have kept the scrubs that i originally got way back in the day i probably maybe would at least have a shot at breeding them at this point but because you know it's again it just you just i think you're right rob you just really have to you have to have something else because let's face it like we're breeding snakes we like to see the eggs and you know babies popping out and everything and like it must be a real kick in the balls every year when you just like struck out again (laughs) struck out again you know and then you see everybody like like i did it one year and it was good and it reset me but i can't imagine that happening every year while everybody's breeding and i'm just like sitting on the sidelines like yeah maybe one day i'll get these things to breed (laughs) you just feel beat down i guess you know Maybe that's... Uh...
3: Well, and it's worse with Facebook. What well, That's the part, that's the downside, right? You know, everyone's posting, whether it's real or fake, they're, all this great stuff. You <laughs> know, It may not actually even be happening, but it's one of those yeah. things where it's like, all you see is great news, and it's like, well, that's that can be depressing for you if you're not the one posting the great news. You know, sure. eventually, someday, if you can persevere, then you'll have the best news of all. But, man, it can be a tough slog to get there. Yeah. So
1: I guess we'll end on that positive, happy note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh no, it's good, man. It was good uh, hanging out with you guys. Appreciate you guys popping on and, uh, you know, not leaving me to myself to talk to myself for two hours. Um,
3: but, that would be uh, fascinating. Anytime. It'd be incredibly painful for you, but very fascinating. Yeah. I did it once.
1: It was hard. I ain't going to lie. So.
3: But, it was uh, hard to do it for 12 minutes or whatever you did it for,
1: right? 12 or yeah. 20 or whatever it was. <laughs> you really have to have it scripted out. Not scripted, but you really have to have your topics yeah. together because you don't have that back-and-forth banner that can drive you in a different direction and make you think and, you know, so...
2: Yeah, good time. chat. Sure. Sometimes the chat goes to
1: sleep. Yeah, yeah, the chat's like a weird thing. Like, sometimes it's on and sometimes it's not, you know. And then you got your diehards that yeah. are usually there and they're probably cleaning snake shit right now as we speak and they're, like, still listening. But, uh... Yeah. Cool stuff. So, uh... Yeah, I guess uh we'll throw out our information. Riley, you can go first and then, uh... We'll uh, we'll say good night.
2: Yeah, yeah. If, uh, if anybody wants to find me on uh, on YouTube, I just go by Riley Jimison, J I M I S O N. Uh, but under Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I think it's just under Riley's Reptiles. Uh, you can find me all over place. I'm in a lot of those nice groups, from Riley and stuff. Uh, but yeah, you can email me at Riley Jimison dot or at Gmail.com. Uh, but yeah, I'm always down to chat
1: cool man all right what about you Rob what do you got
3: rhinorats.com or highplanechirp.com High chirp on Facebook and uh, yeah drop me a message or go to the website email me I'll email you back and yeah that's about it man
1: cool um as for me uh com is our website um and uh, I guess if you're interested in carpet pythons or want to figure out what's going on <laughs> with carpet
3: pythons,
1: it's probably the place to go. Um, we got, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff there, links to the people. You might have one and... or
3: two for sale, right?
1: For me? Oh, yeah. Well... Yeah,
3: you might have one or two for sale. With
1: you? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, maybe two. <laughs> uh, two out of the hundred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so if you want to send this, sh- anything for me, you know, and, Owen, uh, send it to info at moray python com. as, uh, f- as far as myself, uh, com is back up and running. Uh, so, uh, it's actually, I have it kind of like yours, uh, Rob, it's, you know, how you have like rhino com and your high plane, right. they both go to the same place. Yeah. Yeah, so ebmorelia.com or ebmorelia.net, either one will take you to uh the new website. Um and I have it up and going now. Um, but uh, I will be adding to it as I uh get time um you know, to get it back up to where to where my website was before. So um and stay tuned for available animals. Uh probably the first couple clutches of Poplin carpets will be available. I would say by the end of the month uh they've taken meals, so if you're looking for stuff like that, Exanic Tigers, selectively bred stuff, uh double head, Exanic granites, all that kind of stuff, I'll uh I will have it. Um so ebmorality.com if you wanna send me an email, uh it's Eric at And uh if you uh you know, you can also find me on Facebook. Uh, E.B. Morelia or Eric Burke, either one. Um, and Owen is rogue-reptiles.com. And I know I'm trying to look at now. He's at a show. He's vending Oaks on the 14th. That's pretty much all he's got going on. Uh, so if you want to see what he's got for sale, uh, check him out at the Oaks. If not, rogue-reptiles.com. I forget how Owen closes the show. Uh, <laughs> and that's all I got. <laughs> And until next week, thank you all for listening to Moralia Python Radio. Good night.